I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Bucket Snake. Happy birthday to you. And if you're listening to this and you didn't already say happy birthday, you missed it and it's too late and you have to wait it's until next year. It's not too late. You can tell me for the rest of the month. It's fine. <laughs> I will accept birthday congratulations. Birthday wishes. Birthday sure. wishes. Yeah. Till the end of the month. Oh, absolutely. My mom says she's still accepting wedding presents. Oh, that's nice. And they've been married for 35 years. Jesus Christ. I know. That's more than me. <laughs> It's true. Even though I just had a birthday and I'm older. You just had a birthday. You're so old now. You're older than I am. I've been telling people I'm always older than you. <laughs> what? That I'm 34 for a few months now. Yeah. I don't know why. It just feels, you know, felt like it was coming up so quickly. I was like, I may as well just start transitioning. Sure. To 34. Ease into it. Yeah. I mean, the difference between 33 and 34 is like, you know, Patton Oswald said you don't get a birthday. That's true. So... Well, I do. Yeah, absolutely. He I can't tell you what to do. Get a birthday. Listen. He's not wedge. your real dad. Me wedge. Yes. I cannot eat any more candy. Why? Candy for dinner. You can. 34 years old. D. <laughs> oh, now that you're 34, you can't eat candy for dinner? I am too mature. I need my d- fiber. I need <laughs> muffins. Uh, what do old people eat? I need oatmeal. Wait, I actually like oatmeal. I need muffins. I love oatmeal, but you know what I like in oatmeal a lot? Mm-hmm. Baby food. Uh. Not like just any, but if you just get like the pureed fruit oh, and you put it in there, yeah. like plums or peaches or pears, like really good I just put in oatmeal. like fruit in there. Yeah, that too. I put bananas and blueberries in there. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. Raisins are real oh, good. Yeah. I never buy raisins. I like them though. What's your favorite breakfast food? Um, probably like an everything bagel with cream cheese and lox and tomatoes and sprouts. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's going to have to be my. Your, your favorite any meal is always going to be a sandwich. Yeah. If it's like a pile, but contained between two pieces of carbohydrates, (laughs) pretty much into it. Quesadilla, bagel sandwich. Lasagna? Uh, I don't really like lasagna. That's fair. It's just spaghetti in a different shape. Kind of, yeah. It's just, I don't know, something about it. <laughs> Not soups into it. You miss Meat Wedge's weird finger <laughs> movement to describe That's just lasagna. For you. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell the people about what I'm doing with my hands. It's more fun. It stays in the cave. It's interactive this way. <laughs> Speaking of the cave, I'm trapped in here. Please send real food. <laughs> yeah, order us a pizza or something. The uh... address is. <laughs> This is coming out so far in the future. <laughs> oh, no. It's too late. Don't order us a pizza. You're already too late. Listen, we've decided we're going to, you know, record a couple things at a time these days. 
which means we're here for longer, which means we should plan ahead. <laughs> yeah, but why <laughs> would we do that? More than a bag of candy. Absolutely. I brought combos. Well, that is a food, you're right. Yeah. But you brought the kind with fake meat. I can't eat it. Well, I asked you if you wanted anything. I didn't know I would be hungry again. Every time I'm not hungry, I'm like, I will probably never be hungry again. Never, it is fine. I'll never eat again. This is why I can't plan ahead. Like, I will eat breakfast and be getting ready for work. Yeah. And I'm like, I should take food to work. But yeah. Because I'm not hungry in that moment. I'm like, I'll be fine. Right. And then four hours later, I'm like, why have I done this to myself? I know. It's hard. And it's like, there's a brief window where it's like... If I just ate, I can't think about food because I'm not hungry. Yeah. And then if I wait too long, I'm too hungry to think about food. Yes. And I'm like, someone just order anything and it won't be right, but it doesn't matter because yeah. I would eat dirt at this point. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get the right in there in the middle where you're like, I could eat. What do I want to eat? Yes. If you wait too long, I can't make any decisions. No. I just need food face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's how I felt recently. Eating brunch. I was just like, yeah. I don't even care. I don't even want to order anything. Just hand it to me. Just you pick. Yeah. As long as it doesn't have meat in it. Pointed it. Whatever. It's true. I I wish that I could be like a snake and just eat one time a week and then not have to think about it for I know. the rest of the week. And you stay full because you're digesting for a whole week. Right. I mean, you kind of can't move around too much. Yeah. But I mean, you just plan, you know, that'd be like, okay, I'm not doing anything on Sunday. I'll eat a bunch in the morning and I'll just lay around all day and then the rest of my week will be fine. What a tight excuse to not do anything though. i can't go i just ate sorry i just ate <laughs> <laughs> i can't move for three days I, I literally cannot move i would love to but i'm just gonna lay here and watch murder she wrote a bucket snake yeah i cannot true. get out of the bucket can't do it i'm stuck in here i need to get bucket a bucket yeah you absolutely do i need to get i bet i could find like a little like sand bucket thing when it gets warm again yeah for little kids yeah and it can be one of his hides and it would be cute that would be adorable like yeah like a little sandcastle one which yeah. it has like the little like castle ridges on the top yeah yeah that would be so cute. yeah just drill a hole in it oh my god yeah that would be adorable um if i can't be a snake though i just want to be like a dog where it's like two or three times a day someone is like here is a food directly formulated yeah for you to meet all of your needs got all your nutritional needs i have don't have to make a decision. Yeah. Don't have to feel good or bad about it. Nope. Just you eat just it. eat. And then you're not hungry anymore. It's got everything you need. Nothing you don't. Here's how much of it you need to eat. Mm-hmm. And here it is. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. But then on the flip, like, food is so much fun. It can be. I just wish it wasn't so necessary. Yeah. Absolutely. If it was just a bonus. Yeah. Rather than eat. a necessity. Like, keeping this meat suit going. Yeah. Is exhausting. It is exhausting. And if you mess up the formulation... It'll ruin your whole day. Formulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the formulation. You know, like this many hours of sleep plus this many calories of food plus this much water, this many ounces of water. Right. If you fuck up that formula, yeah, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. Just like the word formulation. You're going to be grumpy. Yep. You're going to have a headache. Yep. It's going to suck. I know. And then there's other factors. Did you get enough sleep? Did you have to do something exciting or sad or uh, there's so much that goes into being a person. I know. Sick of it. I'm ready to be an ethereal gas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good thing I'm not a person. I'm a meat wedge. You're a wedge of meat. I'm a wedge of meat. And I am a bucket of snake. (laughs) (laughs) I brought this bucket of snake. (laughs) So snake of bucket. One snake. (laughs) And this is replay rewind it's a podcast about movies that we watched when we were kids 
replay of rewind let's talk about it oh my god we are gonna talk about what we remember happening and then we're gonna go watch it and then we're gonna come back and we'll tell you what actually happened and all the things that we got wrong and then we'll tell you some fun trivia about maybe who was in it or you know how that horse almost didn't actually drown in the swamp of sadness it did not so rest easy you guys he's fine (laughs) you know that kind of shit yeah i have a question for you I just want to correct you on one thing in your description of our podcast. Oh, please do. I'm never wrong. I, I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just kidding. I'm almost never right. That What's your I question? Implied. What was your favorite book as a child? Hmm. Okay. So this is a two-part question. Oh, answer. okay. This is a two-part answer for me. Okay. When I was a child, um, I really like small child. Yeah. Elementary school. Yeah. I liked the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. And then I had this, like, weird epiphany when I was in middle school. Yeah. I don't remember which one I was reading, but I was like, this is a giant allegory for Christianity. It's just the Bible. Yeah. And <laughs> at that time, I went to church. Yeah. And, like, believed in all of that, but I was, like, pissed that I'd gotten tricked. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I don't need to read more about it. I don't yeah. need an allegory for it. Like, I'm I'm good. I like, know. I want stories. Yeah. Then I found out about his Dark Materials series, uh, which Philip Pullman wrote in response to the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. And those are so good. Yeah. more adult. And uh, they kill God. Less Jesus-y. Way less Jesus-y. It's very anti-Catholic church. Nice. So those became my new favorite books. Nice. And then I started reading Stephen King when I was 12, and it was all downhill from there. And then here we are. Here we are. Did you know? Probably you do. But did you know that the reason that there's, like, a lamppost in the Chronicles of Narnia, like, in Narnia, Mm -hmm. that's, like, the thing that everybody sees when you first get there, is just because, like, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were friends, Uh. and J.R.R. Tolkien was like, you can't put a lamppost in a fantasy novel, and C.S. Lewis was like, fucking watch me, dude! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll do it. So not only did he do it, he made it, like, the thing (laughs) that, like, everybody knows about Narnia. It's just like, there's just a lamppost there, and he's like, eh? Eh? What about that? Jolkin. Jolkin. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Got him. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Good to know. I did not know that. What was your favorite book as a kid? Uh, Ella Enchanted. Okay. Cool. And also Holes. Oh, yeah. Read Fuck. Holes so many times. I loved Holes. But I think Holes came in second to yeah. Ella Enchanted. I have read that I don't even know how many times. It's, I don't know if you know anything about it. I do not. It's a Cinderella-type story where there's a little girl, well, she's a teenager, named Ella. Mm-hmm. And... Ella. 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 She... It kind of answers the question that you have in the back of your mind anytime you read any Cinderella story where you're like, why does this girl do what people tell her to do? Why doesn't she just run away? Yeah. You know, her... If her whole family's dead, why doesn't she just leave? Yeah. And so, all these people that she's living with suck. Yeah. So just go. Yeah, so what happens in Ella Enchanted is this girl, Ella, is born and there's a fairy named Lucinda who goes around giving, like, newborn kids and newly wedded, like, couples and stuff like that. She shows up for, like, big exciting events yeah, and gives them a gift, but it's always fucking terrible. But she's like, yay, what a wonderful gift I've given you, poof, and then she's gone and everybody's like, great, thanks a lot. And so the gift that she gives to Ella is the gift of obedience. Oh. And that if someone tells her what to do, she has to do it. Oh, shit. And so she grows up and her mom is like, don't fucking tell anybody about this. Because she like, tell when she's like a little girl, she tells one of her friends about it. And the girl's like. 
abuses yeah absolutely yeah. oh give me that dress that you're wearing yeah. and i want to play this game but i want you to lose every time and you know whatever like it's just really awful so her mom's like just don't tell anybody about it and she's like yeah uh, i figured that out so she just kind of goes through her life like and she's fine you know figuring out like how to not yeah do this thing but then her mom dies and then her dad remarries this lady with these two really awful daughters and so yeah. she's like all right i gotta fucking figure out how to get rid of this curse mm-hmm and she also meets the prince and she's like oh shit i'm in love with him and uh-huh. he's like kind of got you know a thing for her too but she's yeah. like i have to run away i either have to figure out how to get this curse off of me or i can't ever talk to him again because what if we got married and somebody was like kill your husband i'd have to do it yeah and so she has to like figure it out and so it's just this really like kind of serious yeah like but i don't know there's a story that Still, i really like for young adults yeah, yeah of her going and on this journey of like trying to figure out yeah how to solve this problem they made it into a movie yeah with anne hathaway and i do love anne hathaway i've never seen the movie but i just i went through and i read all the quotes on imdb yeah and i was like this sounds like a slapstick goofy ass nightmare i know and the book itself is kind of serious yeah so i was like i'm just not i can't Mm. it's too important to me (laughs) they made the golden compass the first book in his dark materials into a movie that wasn't very good isn't kate blanchett in it or somebody like that or am i I just confusing tilda swinton maybe i can't they're on like a polar bear yeah they're on a polar bear but i don't remember who's in it anyway but hbo made a series yeah of the first book i heard that was really good. good yeah i actually cried a couple times watching it not even in the sad parts but just because i was like these are the characters that I loved growing up, and I am seeing them. Yeah, for the first time. Yeah, and they done did well. And... Such a good job. Yeah, good. It was like <laughs> kind of emotional for me to watch it too because I was just like, I don't know. It just felt. I just felt a lot about it. Yeah. So I would have to like take time between episodes. I definitely did not binge it. Yeah. Yeah. Got to process. I got to lay in this like a hot tub for a little bit. Right. Well, fun. Yeah, why are you asking about books I liked as a child? This is a movie podcast. I know. How, how silly is that? How dare you? Well, because in continuation of your birthday month. Bucket Snake Month! You get to pick all the movies. Woo! And so this week we're watching Never Ending Story. Yes, we are. And it is delightful. It is delightful. It and was if- one of my favorite movies as a kid. Yeah. I only watched it once as a child because I was so upset about Artex sinking in the swamp of sadness that mm. I couldn't watch it again. Even though, spoilers, he's fine at the end. He is fine at the end. But it takes a long time for him to be fine at the end. It is a really dark movie. And I was very upset. You know, it's not just like, oh, the horse dies. You watch him drown and this little boy is like, no, don't give in to the sadness, you stupid horse. Yeah. And then he does. And also, like, what does a horse have to be sad about? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. It's like, oh no! It's like, what are you? An existential crisis? You're a horse. Aww. It gets him anyway, and he drowns. Yeah, Treyu, he's doing his best. Oh, I know. You can't yank a whole horse out of a swamp when you're just a boy. You can lead a horse to a swamp, but you can't make him leave. No, especially <laughs> when he's so sad and he doesn't care anymore. I mean, everybody in the movie dies. That's true. Pretty much. That is true. It's a dark movie for a little bit. It is. Yeah. But it's also tight. It is not a Jim Henson film. I think he did the puppets, though. Yeah? Yeah. Who else? We talked about this before. Who else would do it? But in the time period, like, who else was doing animatronics on that scale? I don't know. Other people are allowed to do... Jim Henson doesn't have 
a monopoly on puppets, okay? Just because he's the best doesn't mean he's the only one. I want to, like, bet something. Because we <laughs> can't look it up while we're recording this part. I know. I'm it's not that confident. Cheating. But I I just have a feeling, because I, I used to live in a house where we would do, like, movie days where we would pick an actor. Yeah. And we would watch, like, three or four movies with that same actor in nice. it. Which is a lot of fun to do, especially if the movies are very different. Yeah. Um, And I think one day we talked about just doing a Jim Henson day. And yeah. I was like, we can watch Dark Crystal. We can watch... And then I was like, oh, Neverending Story is not technically a Jim Henson movie. It's not a Jim Henson production. Yeah, but he was there. I'm I'm almost certain. I mean, yeah, we did talk about it before because it's like, you just say puppets enough and Jim Henson will show up. His ghost yeah. is here in this pod cave right now. I know, because we say his name we at least five times a day. Puppets so many times. <laughs> puppet, 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 puppet. <laughs> hey, Jim. Hello, James. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but when I was a kid, I loved this movie so much. I related to it so much because Sebastian is just... Reading books all the time. He's a loner nerd. Yeah. You were a loner nerd. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So do you remember anything? There's a little boy. His name is Bastion. Uh-huh. He is hiding in an attic of some sort. Or like a upstairs. Yeah. From some bullies, I think. The bullies don't... I don't remember. I feel like the bullies are only in the second one. Oh, yeah. But maybe... Yeah. But I can't remember they kind of run together a little bit yeah see i don't ever think i saw the second one so he's hiding he might just be hiding for fun but he's definitely like hanging out by himself in like a upstairs type i don't know if it's a loft or an attic or what and he's reading yeah and he reads about a little boy named Mm -hmm. atreyu yeah and the world is being consumed by the nothing yeah and atreyu has to go find a turtle is there a giant turtle yes I don't know if he has to go find her, but it's part of his quest. Yeah. Because he has to stop the nothing from consuming the world. And also, there's the childlike empress. Yeah. She's involved somehow. Mm-hmm. And so Atreyu has to go f- do... I don't know exactly what his goal is, but he goes through a lot of things. He fights, like, a giant wolf thing with bright blue eyes. It's very scary looking. Gamork. Yes. He also has a part where he has to run through these, like, two big statues that keep zapping people with their eyeballs. Yeah. But he has to be, like, pure of heart or something. Yeah. And he's just like, guess I'll go for it. And then he doesn't get zapped. Yeah. Um, he is riding <laughs> on a horse named Artex at some point, but then they go to the Swamp of Sadness and they... he The horse definitely drowns. He almost drowns, but then the luck dragon, Falcor, pulls him out. Yeah. And he's just, like, a big shaggy dog-looking thing. Falcor. And then... Uh, when they get to the end, they're basically just like, every yeah, everybody's gone because the world gets swallowed up. But then they're like, Bastion, it's your job, and he's like, me, I'm just, I'm not even in this story. Yeah, but it's he has to give the childlike empress a new name, mm-hmm. and he gives her his mom's name. Yes, that's what happens. Yeah, I mean that is that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like he he goes into this library, like this old bookstore, and there's a weird man in there. And that's how he ends up... Christopher Lloyd. No. But he's looking at the book, and it has the um, the Ouroboros on the front. Yeah. And it's like a necklace, sort of. But he's, like, hmm. looking at it, and something happens. He runs out of the store with it. And the, the, oh. the guy thinks he's stealing it. Yeah. Which he is, but he, like, ran away because... I don't... Maybe the bullies did follow him in there, and he's, like, trying to get away from them. I think that's what happens. And then he... Yeah, because at the end... Because he, like, he flies over on Arte- or on Falcor, Falcor yeah. and the bullies are like, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, that does happen in the first yeah. one. But, yeah, so he accidentally steals this book, 
and he runs away. And I think, I feel like he's at, he goes back to school. He goes somewhere. He might yeah. be in an attic. It just feels like he goes up. So, it, like, maybe in, like, he's, he like, in the theater up. room, and he's, like, in the, above a stage or something, but he definitely goes up, like, a ladder. Yeah. Or some stairs. Yeah, he goes up in, like, a lofty area with yeah. a bunch of, like, boxes and storage. Yeah, because he's, like, laying on his stomach and, like, has a and, flashlight. Yeah, and he has to yell out the window at the end, and it's just kind of, like, a half window, and it's, like, storming and raining. Yeah. He reads his whole book, like, in one day. Yeah. And it starts storming. Anyway. But yeah, that's pretty much it. He's reading along as Atreyu uh-huh. uh, goes through the adventures. He gets slowly incorporated into the book, too. Okay. Because he's, like, kind of talking to Atreyu. Oh, okay. I don't remember how it happens. But there's also, like, the big rock monster. Mm-hmm. Who, like, do you remember him? Does he look like a pile of rocks? Yeah. That's what I was picturing when we talked about Labyrinth. And I was like, Ludo is a rock monster. Oh, yeah. But Ludo just controls the rocks. But yes. he doesn't... This Yeah, this guy looks like a pile of rocks. Yeah, and he says, they look like big, strong hands. Yeah. But he had, like, these two tiny people that our Atreyu had made friends with or something, and he was holding them, and nothing came, and they got, like, sucked out of his hands or whatever. And Aww. he was just like, you're afraid of getting sucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and it's just sad. The whole movie is sad. I don't it know why I sad. liked it so yeah. much when I was a kid. Yeah. I just remember thinking, like, God, what a bummer. And then, like, a literal swamp of sadness that just, like, you have to fight mentally against or it will swallow you whole. Yeah. It's just, like, it was too much for me. I mean, I... Maybe I just relate to it because... I, I mean, that was me when I was a kid. Like, I was always just trying to get away from whatever was going on so I could finish whatever book I was reading. And yeah. that's kind of, like, Bastion's personality. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know. I've always struggled with mental health yeah. my whole life. And I've several times in my life have been like i would just like to not feel like artex in the swamp of sadness right like i just feel mud up to your chin <laughs> yeah because a lot of times that's the easiest way for me to describe depression is like yeah. i'm getting things done but i feel like i am slogging through mud to yeah. do it yeah and so it is a very relatable i don't know what horses have to worry about <laughs> but like i feel it dude yeah <laughs> oh that's rough so but, what a, what about the turtle? She's like a thousand years old or something, or she has like a whole yeah. world on her back or something. Or am I confusing that with the Dark Tower? But she's carrying something. She's big. Yeah, she and she's is old. There, and only her head moves. She's yeah. Because like, she has like an island on her back. Yeah. Because she's so old. But you're so old. I think she's the one who maybe knows that the way to get rid of the nothing is by naming the childlike empress. Oh. Like she knows she how has to fix a name it. too, but no, all I, I can remember. think of is Maturin, which is definitely from the Dark Tower. Yeah. But, but the point of the movie, the story, yeah, is that like fantasy worlds are dying because kids don't read anymore, and like your imagination is the the nothing is like the loss of imagination. Gotcha. And like worlds like these are disappearing because kids don't okay read and like and don't create. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Which is a funny like message for i think this was like the late 80s yeah when it came out yeah 84 like, what what what'd you have to distract you a fucking nintendo yeah you're atari yeah i gotta go play pong i couldn't possibly read a book right like what are you guys doing the only thing to do is go outside that's true <laughs> and imagine and create yes. that's true well but i'm looking forward to it i am too because like i said i watched it as a kid and i was like nope too much of a bummer <laughs> and then i watched it again in my like mid-20s and i was like okay much better than i remembered it being yeah. not as traumatic you know like yes sad but 
a yeah. fun story. Yeah, and everything ends well. Yeah. And I I mean, I remember the, what'd you say the wolf thing's name was? Gamork. Very scary. So scary. But like, looks cool. Yeah. And like, I've everything in this movie looks really cool. Wanted to name a pet Gamork. Yeah. But it's not fun to say. It's not. It's, yeah. He's I not. like the reference, but I just don't like saying his name. Because mm. it's like G apostrophe M-O-R-K. Gamork. Gamork. Yeah, it sounds like a cat about to throw up. <laughs> yes. But he's like in this cave and all the rocks are falling around him. Yeah. And you can only really see his head. Yeah. He's and he's snarling a lot. And I can picture Drooling, his, right? Yeah. And his nose, the way his nose moves, like it's so in my brain. Yeah. And then at the last moment, he like jumps out. Yeah. And attacks Atreyu as all the rocks are falling and they fall on him. And I can like still see his face as he's like being crushed by rocks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Um, okay, well, let's go watch it. Uh, while we're doing that, you guys should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash replay rewind podcast. Check it out. Sign up. Get you some bonus episodes. I mean, wait till the end of this episode to go listen to the bonus episodes. But, you know, just sign up while you've yeah, got you this. Yeah, sign like, up right now and peruse. Yeah. Peruse the library. Check it out because we got to go watch a whole movie. It'll take uh, exactly 15 seconds. <laughs> Bye. a fucking fantastical movie it was fantastical yeah that word always makes me think of dane cook oh why he says it at some point my brain is so fantastical it talks oh. about how you can't be like hyperbolic around him you can't exaggerate yeah because his brain is too fantastical yeah yeah don't tell me you took a hundred hour nap tell me you took a coma yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway Anyway, the IMDb says, a troubled boy dives into a wondrous fantasy world through the pages of a mysterious book. Yes. Well done. Yeah, it's true and doesn't give literally anything away. Yep. It could be the description of Pagemaster, but this movie is a hundred times better. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it opens up. It's a Warner Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Warner Bros. Mm-hmm. It starts with clouds. Mm-hmm. Fun music. Yeah. Turn around. Look at what you see. And there's credits. <laughs> a bunch of trippy clouds. Yeah. The never-ending story. Oh. I have to get it out because it's been <laughs> stuck in there since I, I watched it. You've been it. doing it all day. I know. I can't stop. It's but okay. maybe if I yell it into this microphone, it maybe. will suck it out of me. Yes. Infect all of you. 
This is your problem now. <sighs> it's a great song. It's and the the opening credits are fun, although yeah. they take too long. Yeah. So it's definitely like from that era of like we put everybody's name at the beginning, and I'm like I don't give a shit. Everyone's at the beginning in case you don't stay for the who end. the director of photography <laughs> was for this movie. Right. Yeah. There's also a lot of like extremely German names. Yeah, it was filmed in Germany. That makes sense. It's a, it's actually a German movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and we'll talk about it more. But if you noticed any voiceover dubbing mm. it's because a lot of them it was filmed actually mostly in german oh. and then they dubbed over it in english how interesting yeah but i mean their mouths is not all of them some of them do their mouth yeah yeah huh. but like um that does make sense though because a lot of the names sound like just like yeah. engivuk like it's, yeah there's a w in there but he pronounces it like a v mm-hmm. interesting well Look at me and my Nancy Drew you did level it. of... <laughs> yeah, the, the original book is German, so okay. that's why, yeah. Cool. So yes, we hear the theme song, we see the clouds, and then we see Bastion waking up suddenly mm-hmm. to a dog barking that we never see. Don't give me a dog barking. Don't promise me a dog <laughs> and then not show it to me. Hint at a dog. God. Side note, his full name is Bastion Balthazar Bucks. B-U-X. X. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. But we see that he fell asleep reading. His mm-hmm. hair's all a mess. Yeah. Goes downstairs to have breakfast. His dad, Mr. Bucks, <laughs> is dressed in a fancy three-piece suit to go to work. Like, what the fuck is his job? Who knows? Is he an undertaker? He's a mortician? He's a... He's a lawyer? Limo driver? He's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to court and he talks to the judge. <laughs> but he helps Bastion open a jar. Yeah. And as he's helping, Bastion says, I had another dream about mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his dad's in the background, like, making a smoothie, which he puts a raw egg into. Oh, so he's rocky. Disgusting. Yeah, I don't know what else is in there, but... <laughs> I just... It looked like he just poured in orange juice and then turned on the... Yeah, he the also blender. cracks an egg in there, so there are two ingredients at least, and one of them is raw egg. And then raw egg and orange it. juice. It's, just, it's so gross. And but, pancake mix. <laughs> yeah. Huh. But he says... Basically, he's like, that's nice. But we have to get on with things. Yeah. He says, we can't let mom's death be an excuse for not getting the job done. Because he's like, we, you and I both have things that we need to do. We have our roles. Right. And we can't let mom's death be an excuse. Yeah. Okay, dad. Very helpful. This child is small. He's a kid. And he sits down. He takes this opportunity to sit down at the kitchen table next to Sebastian and say, actually, we need to have a talk. Yeah. Because your math teacher called me and said that you were drawing horses in your math book. Uh, unicorns. What? There were unicorns. Dad. <laughs> He's like, you're not doing your homework. You didn't even try out for the swim team. Do you yeah. want writing lessons? Yeah. Well, because his dad you have says, to go. you know, you talk about taking riding lessons all the time, but you're afraid to go anywhere near a real horse. Yeah. So what do you want from me? Yeah. Get your head out of the clouds. Keep your feet on the ground. You're basically an adult. Right. <laughs> Fucking buck up. Stop daydreaming and start facing your problems, he says. Yeah. But again... He's like nine. Yeah. And I'm like, his mom is dead. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how long she's been, but I mean, we have to assume that it's fairly recently. Yeah. And in a tragic way because yeah. of how he talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, she's definitely, I mean, anything at this age, you know, mm-hmm. is going to be before her time. So it's yeah, not. Yeah, traumatic. Yeah. And like, I think if it were longer, he would have been like, you can't still be on about that. Right. So it has to have been fairly recently. Yeah. And it- He's basically like, yeah, it's it's time to move on. He's just a little kid. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, and I mean, I know that this is like a thing and we are going to encounter this so many times, but 
It just feels like recently, I don't know, maybe because we just did TMNT, but mm. it just feels like there are a lot of like children who are clearly like reaching out in the way that they only know how. Yeah. Not doing homework, not being, you know, into things that they love mm. or not going to school, whatever. And their parents are just like, what is wrong with you? Figure right. it out. Yeah. And it's like, this is a cry for help. <laughs> and you were ignoring him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it makes me sad. Yeah. And on his way out, he's just like, don't be late for school again. Yeah. And then leaves. Doesn't make sure he gets to school. Doesn't ask him, you know, why he's not making it to school on time. It's just like, don't be late for school again. And yeah. Bastion's like, oh, I made it yesterday. Yeah. It's just parents assuming that their kids are being bad rather right. than like something is going on that they need help with right because speaking of going to school yeah the next scene we see bastion on his way to school and he's accosted by three bullies yeah who look like they're also bullying their chewing gum they are they have to bully everything they come and count <laughs> come in contact with but he i mean they're bigger than him and they and there are three of them a weirdo and a freak and they chase him into an alley yeah we're gonna get you yeah and they ask him for money and he doesn't have any his dad spent all their money on his suit. <laughs> so they throw him into a dumpster. Yep. And what's even worse is the minute that he climbs out of the dumpster and gets back to the street, they're waiting for him. Yeah. Who said you could get out of the trash? And so they chase him again. That's even worse, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he can't even, okay. He probably waited for a second, you know, to be like, yeah. well, they probably left. No. They're just tormenting him. I know. And they chase him down the street, and these kids are, like, shoving adults out of their way mm -hmm. to, like, get to him. They're just really terrible kids. And so he ducks into a bookstore, and the kids run past, you know, he went that way. Which way did he go? We're going to get him. Mm -hmm. And we hear a voice say, get From out of here. I don't like kids. Deep within the store. Yeah, far away. Yeah. I'm like, how did he know that um, he was a kid. There's an adult bell and a kid bell. It's like the door is like half and half, you know, and he came in the bottom door and it dings differently. Yeah. Yeah. He stepped in the beam. <laughs> I stepped in the beam. <laughs> yeah, so he, he triggered the kid, but he's not tall enough. Right. But what if it's just a very short man? Well, he d probably doesn't like him either. This guy's not very friendly. I don't like kids. Great. Well, I'm 48, so. Well, Kid-sized adults. <laughs> Grow yeah, up. he's just very rude. Because at first I thought, like, well, maybe he saw the door open but didn't see the top oh. half of a man. Yeah. But then when we see him, he's in a high-backed chair facing away from the door. So mm. I'm just like, well, you get a series of mirrors? <laughs> maybe. Maybe so. Anyway, Bastion doesn't leave. No, he wanders deeper inside. And the old man is just sitting, reading to himself, and he sees Bastion and he's like, why are you still here? I told you to leave. Didn't you hear me? Yeah, go so to the arcade. Yeah, the arcade is down the street. We only sell these complicated rectangular things called books, and they don't go beep, 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 so you probably aren't going to like them. Yeah, Bastion is basically like, listen, bro, I can read. Right. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, I bet you read comic books. Right. Like, again, says, this guy's being a bully. Yeah, Bastion's like, I have 186 books at home. And the guy's like, bah, comic books. But Bastion's like, no. And he starts listing off titles, you know? He's like, I've read Treasure Island. I've read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. I, read, I read The Lord of the Rings. I've right. read, you know, complicated... I haven't even read The Lord of the Rings. It's boring. <laughs> he, Bastion, yeah, lists, lists off all of his favorite books, and the guy is finally paying attention. Right. And he says, who are you running from? Mm-hmm. And he says, some kids from school, because they <laughs> threw me in the garbage. Yes. And then the guy's like, why don't you just punch him? Yeah, just punch him in the nose. I'm like, do you see how small this child is? Yeah. He little. He's a nerd. He likes to read. Right? <laughs> what do you want from him? But yeah, Bastion looks at the book that the old man is reading, and he's like, what is that? Mm-hmm. 
the guy's like oh this one is special don't even look at it it's not for you yeah because he says the books that you read they're safe He's like, you know, you read Tarzan. You read Swiss Family Robinson. You can imagine yourself as Tarzan. You can imagine yourself as Robinson Crusoe. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you get to leave the book. You get to feel like you've saved the day and you get to step away. Yeah. But this book, not. Not that. Yeah. He asks Bastion, do you ever get scared when you read books like that? Yeah. And he says, it's only a story. Right. And that's when the old man says, yeah, the ones you read are safe. Yeah, that's my point. After you read your books, you get to be a little boy again. Yeah, you aren't affected by them. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, clearly, this man was a little boy, read this book, turned into an old man. Yeah, And cranky. now he's bitter about it. <laughs> cranky old man. Yeah. But after this conversation, the phone starts ringing mm -hmm. somewhere in the book maze. Mm -hmm. And the guy, like, hides the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he poorly. He puts a newspaper on top of it. And like he's makes like, eye contact with Bastion about it. Yeah. <laughs> and so Bastion is like, okay, well, I'm definitely going to look at that. Right. Yoink. Yeah, so he moves the newspaper and we see the book is called The, the Never, Never Ending, Ending Story. Story. <laughs> uh huh. And it has two snakes eating mm -hmm. each other's tails on top. Yeah. On the front. And so he yoinks it and leaves. And the bookkeeper sees this happening and yeah. is like, hey, hey, hey. Haha, my plan worked. Curse successfully passed on. <laughs> right. No, he's like, he wanted Bastion to take this book. Yeah. And so obviously telling him that he couldn't have it was the best way to get him to do it. Yep. And, and he leaves him a little note in his little baby handwriting. Yes. That says, don't worry, I'll return your book. Yes. A child with that handwriting does not need to be told to get over his mother's death. <laughs> no. No, it's just, like, it's so obvious how little he is. Yeah, oh, The yeah. handwriting just makes it, like, oh, maybe he's small for 13. No, this child is nine years old. Yeah, he's a little boy. <laughs> yeah. So he's finally made it to school, and he is trying to hide his book in his zip-up hoodie, but it's not working, because, once again, he is very small. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the a whole large book. size of his torso. Yeah. Yeah. But fortunately, no one pays attention to him, and yeah. really, nobody's there, because he's a little bit late. He gets to the door of his classroom, and he steps up on a chair... And, like, looks through the window. And he goes, oh, no. The math test. Yeah. And then he just decides to bail. Yeah. Which, fuck it. fair. Yeah. I would probably do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we see that he knows where the key to the attic is. Mm-hmm. It's, like, in one of those glass boxes, but it's already been broken, so he just gets the key out. Yeah. And just goes up into the attic. Yeah. And we remembered that he was in an old dusty part of the school, but we couldn't remember, like, where. Yeah, where or why. But yeah, I was just like, he's just, I don't know, above other stuff. And it looks like yeah. an attic. Well, it's the attic of the school. I didn't know schools had attics. And I guess this one does. That explains it. Yeah. I was so worried because he puts the key in the door and then he opens it and he runs up the stairs. And I was like, you're going to get locked in. And then he, like, immediate as soon as I had that thought, he comes back and he, like, grabs the key and takes it with him. I was yeah. Like, oh, thank God. So, yeah, he goes upstairs, sits in a patch of light on an old gym mat. He's surrounded by all this dusty, forgotten school equipment. And he opens the never-ending story and begins to read. He does his little smile to himself. Because yeah. he's like, oh, I got a new book. Such yeah. a good feeling. I'm so excited. Don't have anywhere to be. Not taking a math test. He does have somewhere to be. <laughs> no, but he's not going. You know? <laughs> going. <laughs> it's true. And he so. starts reading. Mm -hmm. It was midnight. In the Howling Forest. Yes. And now we're in the book. Yeah. We're in a forest. Yeah. And there's a giant slug. Right. Eating. Yeah. He's Munching all and crunching. burnt orange. And mm -hmm. he has like a cat nose and mouth. 
Mm-hmm. But it's log antenna. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have like his eyes are not up on his stocks though. Yeah, he has no, a very yeah. cat like hairless cat face. Mm-hmm. He's cute. And there's a tiny man in a suit mm-hmm. wearing a top hat. Mm-hmm. It's Deep Roy. The yeah. guy who plays all of the Oompa Loompas in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. There's also a giant bat. Uh-huh. Sleeping upside down. And a weird guy that kind of looks like a caveman. Yeah, he was kind of hard to look at. Yeah. I didn't particularly like looking at him. His name is Nighthob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we hear a giant crashing noise, and there's just, like, a steamroller, and it is crushing everything mm-hmm. in its path. And so these two dudes see it, and they're running this way and that way, but they can't figure out which way to go to get away from it, and they're freaking out. Yeah. But then it stops right before it crushes them. Perfect. And then we see it's being driven by a rock biter. So in this part, the Nighthob actually says a profanity. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is dubbed over by the grumble of the Rockbiter scooter so that it can be shown as a children's film. Nice. But there's a curse word. I don't know which one, but there's oh. a curse word in the script. Yeah. And they, like, just dubbed it out so that they could be like, it's a kid's movie. Right. <laughs> it would be weird if that was the only curse word in the whole movie, too. He's just like, ah, oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> he says, guts. <laughs> Did you yeah. ever read, like, any of the Ramona and Beezus? Yeah, it's so long ago, though. There's one where Ramona's the little one. Whichever one the younger one is, she like all day she's like, I'm gonna say a bad word and then she goes, Guts Everybody's <laughs> like, uh, okay, oh no. Anyway, um Yeah, anyway, the rock biter stops, gets off his weird rock bike. <laughs> the rock and he's biker. Like, asks if he can join them because he's been traveling all day. Yeah. And they're kind of freaked out because he's so big. Yeah. And this is definitely we <laughs> Night Hub about says, it. Is he a nutcase? Yeah. <laughs> completely unrelated yeah but yes this is we talked about it a little bit in labyrinth but this is what i was picturing when i was like ludo is a rock monster I oh was yeah picturing this guy made yeah. of rocks mm-hmm. rock biter mm-hmm. yeah he picks up a rock and he starts to eat it and he's just talking about like how good it is and like oh these gourmet rocks you know, yeah and how excited but he doesn't realize how big he is and every time he bites it it's like cookie monster eating cookies and most of the crumbs are just like flying everywhere yeah. and, and unfortunately with his mouthful the crumbs are tiny ro- or giant rocks that are raining down on his itty bitty little companion yeah and he goes on to tell them that where he's from in the north they used to have delicious rocks yeah. just like this but they're all gone now yeah and the night hob is like i can see why yeah i know all about that mm-hmm. and teeny weeny no <laughs> deep roy says tell us more uh-huh. Uh, for the role of Teeny Weeny, yes. Deep Roy, even though he does speak English, yeah. all of his lines were dubbed over. Weird. By a guy named Frank Leonard, who it doesn't look like really did much else. I don't understand. I don't either. The dubbing over of, yeah, because then all you get, it's especially, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, it's especially jarring with the Treyu, because mm-hmm. it doesn't match up. Right. They did the best they could, mm-hmm. but it's never going to match up perfectly, and I don't like looking at it. Nope. Anyway, yeah, they're like, tell us what happened. Mm-hmm. And he says, the rock biter says, you know, near my home, there used to be a beautiful lake, but then it was gone. It just wasn't there anymore. And there wasn't anything there. Nothing was there. Not even a dried up lake. Mm-hmm. And Teeny Weenie says, a hole? And he says, no, a hole would be something. A meat patty is something. <laughs> is a this meat is patty nothing. something or nothing? <laughs> this is nothing. Yeah. First there was a lake, then there was no lake, and then there was no rocks, and then mm-hmm. there was nothing. And Teeny Weenie says, this is also happening in the West. Mm-hmm. And Nighthob says, it's also happening in the South. Yeah. So they realize, all talking, that this is happening everywhere and their whole land is in danger. Yes. And they've all set out on the same mission, unknowingly. They're all trying to get to the Ivory Tower 
To try and get help from the childlike empress. Yep. So like, well, no time like the present. Yeah. Lego. So they all kind of pack up. The rock biter sees like teeny weeny has a snail and he's like, that's going to take way too long. Can I carry you? Mm. But he's like, no, she's a racing snail. Yeah. And he's like, even a racing snail is going to be, but then like, zoop, there they go. Yeah. And he's like, wow, I guess it is fast. <laughs> it is a racing snail. Yeah, it's very cute. And Nighthob flies on his bat like a hang glider. Yeah, he doesn't like ride on the back of the bat. No. It's like a hang glider bat. Yeah. yeah. Once he finally gets it awake, because yeah. it takes very much doing. And then Rockbiter gets on his trike. He's like, I'm going to take some of these rocks for the road. But, but then, then he... yeah, he sees that the nothing is, like, right behind them, so they yeah. have to go. It's he like, doesn't never mind, even gotta have go. time for fucking snacks. Nope. That's the best part of a road trip. Tragic. I know! So, up in the sky, Nighthob is soaring through the air, and he finally sees the Heart of Fantasia, the Ivory Tower. It looks like a big, beautiful beam of light that's encased in, like, almost like a volcano. Yeah. It's got, like, rocks all surrounding it. Yes. Yeah, it's, like, almost like a volcano surrounding it. There's a bunch of bright lights. There's some nice music playing. Yeah. Nighthob is approaching on his bat. Mm-hmm. And he says, the home of the Empress. She's our only hope. Yeah. He has to wake up his bat to look at it because it's falling asleep while they're flying. I know. <laughs> I was like, that seems dangerous. But so then we get to the top of the tower where there is a gathering mm-hmm. of all these weird creatures that have come to listen to this man talk. And he has a long beard and huge eyebrows. Yeah. He reminds me of Pai Mei from Kill Bill. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, his name is... Karen? Karen? <laughs> Chiron? Chiron. I don't know. Um, I wish that we had gotten a little bit more time to see all these creatures. Yeah, because there's a bunch cool. of really cool ones. Yeah, there are some that are, like, heads are as big as their bodies uh-huh. that were really neat looking. There are some that have, like, two faces, like, they have three eyeballs. Yeah. And, like, I just wanted to see more. Like, yeah. what are these creatures? There's supposed to be two in the background. There's supposed to be a Gumby. Yeah. And a Mickey Mouse. Oh. And something else. Interesting. Yeah, but I read that after I'd already watched the movie, and I was like, I'm not going back now. Right. <laughs> but yeah, those are supposed again. to be there. Yeah. Huh. I bet you there's, like, screenshots on the internet somewhere. Oh, for sure. But so, Karen, we'll call him, mm. says, The nothing is destroying our world. I know you have come to ask the Empress for help, but I have terrible news. The Empress herself is sick. There seems to be a link between her illness and the nothing. She is dying, so she cannot save us. Everyone is immediately upset because they all showed up here yeah, because they were like there. yeah the empress is the only one who can save us we don't know what's going on she's you know the wisest of all of us yeah um but he says there might be one chance the plains people who hunt the purple buffalo have a great warrior and he has a chance to fight the nothing and save us he is our only hope his name is atreyu how do they know that i don't know they never say hmm. hopefully it's in the book yeah i want to read it in greek mythology mm-hmm. atreus was the father of Agamemnon and Menelaus. Men... Menelaus? Menelaus. His name is also the basis for House Atreides in the Dune series. That's tight. Which is why I wanted to include it. Yeah, hell yeah. Because I've already seen the Dune movie twice. That's so good. <laughs> and Atreides is just such a cool name. I know. Like, Atreyu is a cool name too, but it's been co-opted by the band. Yeah. Atreides is really cool. Yeah, House Atreides. So then we switch back to Bastion who looks at his backpack and there's a picture of an indigenous warrior hunting a buffalo on the front. And he says, Atreyu. And then goes back to reading. Yeah. The Empress had already sent for Atreyu and here he comes. Yeah, everybody parts so that he can come up the stairs Mm -hmm. and that's a whole ass baby. He is, he looks even younger than what I remember. Like, I remember him being a kid. Yes. But when you see his face, you're like, that one, he was just born. Big same. Yes. I was just (laughs) like, oh, that's, 
a baby. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, the, ah. and I mean, everybody too around is just like this. This is the guy. Yeah, this baby. We're gonna put all our hopes in this baby. And Karen, same, is just like, what? So Atreyu in the book is green. <laughs> His people are just like green people. Yeah. And they tried to paint him green for yeah. the movie, but they were, it just didn't look good. He said he looked like a fungus. <laughs> we would have. That would have been so distracting, <laughs> too, if he was just green the whole time. I know. So I'm glad they didn't. I think they, if he were going to be green, they would have had to make, like, everyone else even more fantastical. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or do something else. Not like, he looks the same except green. Would be weird. Yeah, they would have had to add more non-human features to him. Right. Which would have taken just more time and effort. Yeah. And, you know, he's fine. But Bastion says, a little boy. Yeah. And Karen says, sorry, no kids allowed. Right. <laughs> Did you see the sign? Yeah. <laughs> Must be 18 or older. And Atreus like, damn, dude, why'd you ask me to come here then? Yeah. Do you know how far I had to travel? Right. Rude. Um, During a convention appearance at DragonCon in 2010, Noah Hathaway, that plays Atreyu, mm-hmm. says that they used virtually none of his recorded dialogue and instead hired a different actor to dub his lines. I hate that. I know. I don't understand. I don't either. Why would you pick a child I, if you don't like his voice? I want to, like, look into it maybe because I feel like this happened a lot more, like, back in the day. Mm. And it's like, I wonder if just the way movies were filmed then, like, you kind of had to dub over to yeah. get the sound levels right anyway. Maybe. And so they're like, well, we're doing it anyway and we want to use a different voice. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like it. But it seemed a lot more common. Yeah. In, like, the 70s and 80s. I have been noticing... A bunch of scenes. I've been watching Murder She Wrote, yeah. and there are scenes, and it's, especially when they're if they're filmed like outside, mm-hmm. and so maybe it's just like there was just too much. You know, they didn't have the technology to cut away like yeah. surrounding noise, right? And so, I mean, it's obviously like still Angela Lansbury who's dubbing over her own, but right? You can tell, yeah, but you can tell it's dubbed. Yeah, yeah, and it's just a little bit jarring. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so the crowd is just like, <gasps> this, this is the boy. Nighthawk whispers. Is he in that case? Yeah. <laughs> Which seems to be his tagline. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Karen is like, no, we asked for Atreyu. And Atreyu says, yeah, I, that's me. I'm Atreyu. Hello. Hi. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't want my help. And he sasses. He just like whoosh, does a hair flip. <laughs> Flips starts his hair. going back down the stairs. I guess I'll go. Yeah. And then Karen's like, no, wait, come back, please. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to go on a quest? He says, yes, of course. You have to find a cure for the Empress and save our world. And you can't have any help. Or weapons. Yeah. Good luck, little baby. Right? If you fail, literally all of us will die. Yeah. Which, what the fuck? I know. He can't have any help? He can't have any weapons? Or weapons, yeah. Why? I don't know. Why not? I don't know. I don't understand. That's how quests work. I guess. But Atreyu takes about one second to think about it and then just starts taking all of his weapons off and laying them down on the ground Mm -hmm. and then goes, all right, when do I start? Yeah. And everybody is really happy about it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know... If someone tells you, you're it, you're yeah. our only hope, you might as well try, because right. the other option is to lay down and die. Yeah. But <laughs> I can't even take my sword. <laughs> like, right? My arrows? Nothing? No one can point me in a direction? Like, can I holy have snacks? Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess. It's it's just a lot to put on even, you know, a, an adult mighty warrior. Yeah. And this is a 10-year-old boy. Yeah, this feels very Dark Crystal. Yeah. Where Jin's mentor is just like, well, it's you. 
Yeah. You have to save the world. Bye. Good luck. But at least they even pointed him in the direction. That's true. They did give him a place to start. Agra. Yeah. yeah. Go ask her. She has the shard. Like, this is what you have to do. It's just going to be hard. Right. Whereas this guy is like, we literally can't help you. Yeah. G- a good luck. You, you have to go find now. the cure. Yeah. It could be a band. It could be a mushroom. <laughs> go seek out Robert Smith. <laughs> but he does give Atreyu the Auron, yes. which is a necklace that shows that he speaks for the Empress. And it's the same symbol that was on the outside of the yes. book, The Neverending Story, that Bastion is reading. It's a very cool symbol. The original Auron for this film now hangs in an enclosed glass display in Steven Spielberg's office. Nice. Cool, huh? It is cool. Let's break in and steal it. Okay. So there he goes. <laughs> Off to start his quest. He does get his horse. He does. So that's nice. He does get Artex. And he's galloping off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you even start to fight nothing? I don't know. He has no direction. Just go find a cure. We don't know what's wrong with her. We just yeah. know that she's dying. If you don't save her, everyone will die. Good luck. His horse must also be small, too, because he doesn't look small on it. No. Yeah, it's going to be a... Like a pony. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the background, we see a storm is a Bruin. Yeah. And the book says, at the same time, elsewhere in Fantasia, a creature of darkness also began his quest. Yes. A terrifying wolf leaps out of a cave and sprints into the darkness. He is so scary. This is Gamork. I know. And he's terrifying. Who I, like, have a love-hate relationship with. Because I think he's very cool and very scary and scared me so much as a kid that I have, like, a, a weird, like, soft spot for him. Yeah. And I wish that Gamork was a cooler word. Yes. <laughs> because it would be cool to name a pet after this character. Yeah, but Gamork is no. awful. <laughs> yeah. The mouthfeel. Terrible. It looks ugly. It sounds ugly. It's not fun to say. But he is badass. Gamork and Gamindi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Bastion says, they had been traveling aimlessly for a week, mm. but they could not find a cure for the Empress. Yeah. You just gotta go to the Fantasia CVS, my dude. Right, just go talk to a fantasy pharmacist. Yes. And they they don't know that Gamork is working to track them down. No. Atreyu is sleeping, and mm-hmm. Artex wakes him up. He's like, yo, dude, I need some crunchings and munchings. Yeah. I'm hungry. Yeah. And at the same time, Bastion realizes that he's also hungry, so he gets out the lunch that he brought for the day that I'm sure he made himself because his dad thinks he's an entire adult. Oh, absolutely. He takes a bite of his sandwich... And then he stops and says, not too much. We still have a long way to go. Yeah. Which is cute. It is cute. So then we see Atreyu and Artex crossing all sorts of weird landscapes. They're going mm. through, you know, a forest. They're going across the desert, up the mountains, down the whatever. Yeah. I thought for a second that they had come full circle because it shows you the stream where they had been, where yeah. they had camped. Yeah. But then it was like, oh no, Gamork has, is just on their trail and that's what it's showing us. Yeah, and I was Gamork like, oh, found no. their last camping spot. They yeah. really are wandering aimlessly. But so we hear a voiceover that says that, I guess it's Bastion is yeah. reading, and yeah. he says that they've gone to the Silver Mountains mm-hmm. and the Crystal Towers and crossed the Desert of Shattered Hopes, uh-huh. which I was like, I've been there. Stop. <laughs> Who? Why? Who's naming this shit? <laughs> but they haven't found anything. Right. And so Atreyu decides that he's going to go visit Morla, the wisest creature in all of Fantasia. Yeah, she's in the Swamp of Sadness. Yeah, all of the places are just trying to kill people. Yeah, why would you ever leave your home? Terrible. It seems like that would have been a good place to start. Like, yeah. she's the wisest creature in all Fantasia, and I don't know what I'm doing. 
Yeah, and it's not like someone tells him, hey, maybe go ask Morla. He just decides to go visit her, so he already knows that she exists. Yeah. He just doesn't start there. Well, maybe because he wanted to avoid the Swamp of Sadness, which is fair. Yeah, but, you know, they're here now. Mm -hmm. They're getting a bit stuck in the mud. Yes. Making slow progress. Yes. While shooting the sequence, Noah Hathaway's leg got caught on the elevator, Mm -hmm. so they use an elevator in the mud for Artex and Atreyu to, like, slowly, you know, go down. It's not actually them sinking. They're right. actually, they're still standing on a platform. Yeah. But his leg got caught on the elevator and he was pulled underwater and they had to, like, dive in and get him out and he was unconscious by the time they brought him up. I know. And, like, had to, like, revive him. That's so scary. Yeah. There's a rumor around this movie that the horse drowned yeah, he while did they it. were filming the scene, but he did not. But, yeah, Noah Hathaway nearly drowned. Yeah. Which is terrifying. I know. So good for him for uh, not quitting on the spot. Yeah, I would have. Yeah. Brendan Fraser. Right. (laughs) Dying in the mummy. Yeah. Anyway, Atreyu, he's trying. He keeps encouraging Artex, but Artex is is struggling. Yes. And Bastion's voiceover says, everyone knew that whoever let the sadness overtake them would sink into the swamp. Yes. Yeah. And Artex is uh, sinking. Yeah. Into the swamp. He and just, I don't know how they made the horse look so sad. He does. But he, he looks does. terrified, too. He just looks, yeah, just sad. And mm-hmm. he's like, I can't, I can take not one more step. And at first Atreyu is, like, smiling at him. And he's like, I know, it's too hard for you. Yeah. Let's try going this way. And so he tries to, like, lead him in a different direction, you know, go around. But the horse just will not. Nope, he's given up. Go on. And he starts sinking. And then Atreyu starts yelling at him. And he's like, you have to try. You have to care. You're my friend. I love you. I won't give up. I won't quit. And he's just he's like, like, you yanking, stupid horse! Yanking on his reins, like, doing everything that he can. He's yes. crying. Yes. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it made me cry, because then it fades to black, and then when we cut back in, we just see Atreyu sitting in the mud, and Artex is gone. Yeah. And Atreyu is crying. Yeah. He's pushing forward. How... Like, already, through. the Swamp of Sadness is trying to make you sad. Yeah. And then he just watched his horse die. So the fact that he doesn't let the swamp take him is just incredible. Yeah. He's an incredible little boy. I would have given up long ago. <laughs> I gotta go through what? I've already crossed the desert of shattered hopes. My socks are wet. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. Actually. Fuck Fantasia. This place sucks. But, but finally. He, yes, he finally sees the Shell Mountain. Mm-hmm. Which is not a gas station, <laughs> but a mound in the distance. Uh-huh. And Bastion says, Morla, the Ancient One. Yep. Atreyu climbs up the hill, but he doesn't see anything when he reaches the top. There's just like an old dead tree up there that he does the cool guy lean on. He says, the nothing. <laughs> this journey is nothing. Piece of cake. Piece of crumb cake. <laughs> and then no, his he- head is on backwards. <laughs> He doesn't say that he's covered in mud and sad looking. And he starts yelling for Morla. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the mountain starts moving. Yeah. And he slides down the side because he can't keep his footing. Yeah. Back into the swamp. Yep. Starts crawling away and climbs up a tree. Uh Uh-huh. So that he can come face to face with Morla, the giant turtle. Yeah. I'm really glad that he tumbled down and landed near her face and not like her butt. (laughs) Because that would be so embarrassing. Morla, you're so much uglier than I (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also, it would take so long yes. to go around to the front. <laughs> be like, hang on, I'll be there in a second. 
I'm coming. Yeah, I'm coming. And Bastion, when he reads this, it surprises him. Yeah. And he yells. Yeah. And Atreyu and Morla hear him. Yeah, they both kind of look up in the sky like, what? Uh, what? Hello? And Bastion's like, that's not possible. No. Anyway, Atreyu says, are you Morla? And she <laughs> says, not that it matters, but yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Atreyu shows her the Auron. Oh, we haven't seen that in a long time. He's like, what do you mean we? Is there somebody else here? <laughs> it's like, no, I've been alone for so long. I just started talking to myself. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I know. She hasn't talked to anyone in thousands of years, she says. And then she sneezes all over him. I know. She sneezes so hard he gets blown out of the tree and <laughs> back into the swamp. And, but he's like barely phased. He yeah. just climbs right back up the tree. He's like, listen, the Empress is sick. Did you know? Uh-huh. And she says, not that it matters. But yes. Also, I don't care. <laughs> also, I don't care. I don't give a shit. And he's like, but there's a terrible nothing sweeping over the land. Yeah. And she's like, I don't care, my dude. I do not know how to express to you that this does not affect me. She goes to sneeze again. Yep. And Atreyu is like, do you have a cold? Mm-hmm. And she says, no, I'm allergic to youth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. This stuff is too new. It makes me sneeze. Right. <laughs> so shiny. But Atreyu asks if she knows how to cure the Empress, and Morla says, Not that it matters, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> it does matter, Morla. And she's just, he's yelling at her. Yeah. Which, this is the part where I really was like, I really wish they hadn't dubbed over his voice, because... He's screaming. The intensity with which he is yelling, and the intensity with which the kid whose voice they used, are they're just not the same. Yeah. And so it just, it takes away from this very important yeah scene i think i saw it so young so many times that you didn't notice yeah that that's just like that's just how it looks yeah you know like i don't notice now as an adult that's fair i just i was like man what's wrong with noah hathaway's voice he seems like he's doing a great job he's giving his all but atreyu says you know we have to stop the nothing or you'll die too and morla's just like that's that's a thing to do dude i've been sitting in this swamp for thousands of years and i'm bored dying would be a great adventure. Yeah, dying would be something. Because mm-hmm. none of this matters. I yep. mean, to be fair, she has been in the swamp of sadness alone for thousands of years. What? Move! Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it matters, but... Like... There are 40 or 50 CDs in this trunk. <laughs> Can't just give up all my CDs. Like, you're so big, <laughs> you can live anywhere, and people will just get out of your way. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, I can't find it. Go live literally anywhere else. Can't find an affordable apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fair, because, yeah, she's been in the Swamp of Sadness for thousands of years alone. Yeah, yeah. Like, of course she's going to be like this, but it, it really is uh, just a huge bummer. But Marla, Morla finally says, Morla finally says, I don't know the answer, but I know that the Southern Oracle does. I also, in my notes, did not write down each time that she sneezed because no, it happened a lot and it was gross every time. Gross, yeah. But yeah, he, he says, okay, the Southern Oracle, right, right, right. How do I get there? She says, you can't. It's 10,000 miles away. Atreya looks so defeated I know. at this. And that is fair. And she says, that's right. Forget it. Give up. And I'm like, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Move. Move out of the swamp of This sadness. is why you don't have any friends. You're a fucking bummer. Yeah. The, the swamp is soaking into her turtle skin. Like, yeah. this, it's in her brain. Oh, she's the worst. She is the embodiment of the swamp. It's true. These kinds of characters make me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, the ones that are, like, 
don't care what happens to the rest of the world and so they're not helpful in the quest and i'm like then go away (laughs) yeah then get out of here there's very much a character like that in the lord of the Rings series where like frodo and sam end up at his house and they're like we have this very important quest we have to take the ring to be destroyed or the whole world will be destroyed yeah and he's like "Eh." well that's like hundreds of years old and so he doesn't really care yeah that's like agra Mm-hmm. she's like i was here before and i'll be here after like whatever right it doesn't affect me and yeah whatever like, happens it affects the other people dude. Right? so like can you just either help me on my way or get out of my way exactly. but for her to be like yes give up forget about going to the oracle i'm like shut your mouth stay here and hang out with me stupid turtle right <laughs> no you're a bummer anyway uh bastion's at school yeah he is yeah he hears the bell ring for the end of the school day uh-huh. and he leaves the attic <laughs> But then he just goes back upstairs. Yeah. You know what? I don't want to go home. Yeah. Let's go back to the attic. <laughs> <laughs> and just as he gets up there, it starts to storm. Mm-hmm. So it's probably good that he just went back up there because he had to walk home. Yeah. Or at least walk for part of it. So fuck that. Right? The attic is full of taxidermy for some reason. Yeah, I don't understand. And it's very creepy in the lightning. Yeah. It's awful. And He's- he starts to, like, leave the attic because he's like, actually... It's kind of spooky up here now. Yeah. And if you remember, I'm a little boy. Yep. And he gets... We see him leave. Yeah. But then he just kind of creeps back in and he says, No, Atreyu wouldn't quit now. Mm-hmm. Just as some lightning crashes and a weird taxidermied wolf head that was on a stick just falls and almost hits him. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, we see that Gamork is gaining on Atreyu, who is still just slogging through the swamp of sadness. Yes, Gamork does not feel sadness, so he can run through the swamp, mm-hmm. but Atreyu is having a rough time. I feel you, buddy. This is me every day, trying to get literally anything done. Do the dishes, let me slog through my fucking house, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I mean, his. we just watched his only friend die, yeah. we can assume. Morla just told him to give up. You know, the place that you need to go is 10,000 miles away, and he's still trying. And he's just a little boy. He's just a little boy. He doesn't even have an entire shirt. He's a little bitty boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wet. And oh. he's tired. And he's probably hungry, because he doesn't even seem to have a backpack, so he doesn't have any snacks. Yeah, he's absolutely coated in mud, and yeah. then he just falls down. Yeah. He's still moving forward, but he starts to sink lower and lower. I know, it just gets up to where it's just his face. Yeah. It's just poking out. But then we see in the sky a bright red light yes. that is growing and getting closer. And there's like a wiggly worm oh, sky flying worm. through the sky. Yeah. Getting closer to him. <gasps> and just as Gmork reaches him, this wiggly worm flies above him and he reaches a hand up and grabs onto his foot and gets yanked out of the mud and off into the sky yes and we see for a second we see bastion again and he's just like oh man what's happening yeah there's a shelf full of skulls behind i know (laughs) what is wrong with the school some of them are animal but some of them are human yeah and it's like are these real like what's going on up there (laughs) are those baby skulls but anyway Atreyu has just been saved by Falcor! Yay! Yay, Falcor! Who is actually a 43-foot-long motorized creature with 6,000 plastic scales and pink feather fur. Yeah. His head is three feet tall and long, and he has a big old tongue in his mouth. He's so cute. I always picture him in my brain as being white, but you're right. When we see him here, he is, like, kind of iridescent pink, Mm -hmm. and he's very pretty. Yeah. So, after being totally conked out for a few days, Atreyu is finally waking up. Yeah. And he has found himself clean 
bandaged up and cuddling with a giant dragon. Me know. Who was sleeping with his mouth open. Me know. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. He tries to sneak away. He like gently, because he's like underneath a paw. Mm-hmm. And he like kind of lifts it up and tries to sneak off without waking him up. But Falcor opens one eye and just says, leaving so soon. Mm-hmm. And his face is just so cute. He just looks like a big old dog. But Atreyu is like, I, w- I was just gonna, I have, there's either I have a thing in the oven, I need to, but- Oh, you were trying to sneak away? But I like children. And Atreyu kind of smiles and says, for breakfast? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I'm a luck dragon. And that's all it takes. Because yeah. Atreyu is like, you know what? Okay. I mean, honestly, you could have eaten me at any point. Yeah. I'm clearly feeling better. You look very sweet. And he <laughs> he starts to make this face, and he's like, uh, "Can you scratch the spot behind my ear? I can never quite reach it." And yeah. so he goes over and scratches behind his ear, and it's so sweet. And now they're friends. So cute. And Falcor says, "Okay, so you're on your way to the Southern Oracle." Mm-hmm. But Trey was like, "I'll never make it. It's way too far away. It's Ten thousand miles away." Yeah. And Falcor's like, "Oh, we're almost there. It's like right around the corner." Yeah. I've flown you 9,861 miles, so, like, you're good. Yeah, it's so close. And he's just like, oh, that's so nice. And yeah. Falcor says, having a luck dragon with you is the only way to go on a quest. I know. Yeah. And Atreyu smiles at him and says, it's good to have a friend again. Mm. But he says, you have more than one. Look. Yeah. And we look behind him, and there's a little cave in the side of this big old rock with some warm light coming out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why did this make you cry? I don't know, because oh. the the parts that make me cry in this movie, Artex sinking was the saddest part. Yeah. But the parts that really got me were the parts of, like, look, there's still hope. Yeah. And so for Atreyu to be like, oh, it's nice to have a friend, and Falcor's like, it's not just me, dude. Look, there are other people here here to help you. And it's like, yeah. he doesn't know any of these people, and they don't have to help him. No, yeah. They're just there helping and it yeah. just i don't know why like him just turning around and seeing this like warm glow and falcor being like you have other friends i was just like <laughs> it does look like such a nice warm yeah glow yes. too after being in the swamp of sadness for days you know like right. absolutely yeah. yeah i mean it I is welcoming it. and it is like actually like physically warm and yeah. dry you know and he's like it's just so nice and it, it got me it made me cry so atreyu gets on his hands and knees to see inside and he sees a tiny man drawing in a book. Yeah. While a woman hums to herself and makes what looks like some soup. Uh-huh. Their She's... names are Ingiwook mm-hmm. and Urgle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and their little home looks so cozy and so cute. I know. He's got, like, he's, like, bald and he has a big, like, frizzy white beard and, like, oh, they're just adorable. Yes. But they start fighting. But, yeah, like, in a we've been married for a hundred years kind yes. of old person way. Yes, absolutely. Get out of my way, wench. <laughs> The boy needs my scientific work. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, he needs one of my potions. Yes. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're arguing over him. Yeah. Because she's like, you can have him and talk about science with him once I make sure that he is well mm-hmm. again. You know, mm-hmm. once I get him back to being healthy. And then Atreyu is like, <clears throat> mm. and Engivok is like, oh, he's well again. And she's like, you shut up. I decide when he's well and like pushes him out of the way. And she's yeah. like, you there, are you feeling better? And he yeah. says, you know, I'm, I'm in a little bit of pain, but it's a lot better. Yeah. But she's like, well, that's bad. You should be in pain because pain means that you're healing. Right. Which is <laughs> kind know? of like a nice thought. Right. It's kind of comforting. Yeah. Yeah. But then she's like, drink this. 
It's my <laughs> batwing broth. Batwing broth. And Ugh. he starts drinking it, and she's like, also, it's got Eye of Newt. And and she's just listing off all these really Old gross brains. things that are in it. <laughs> and I'm like, let him finish it before you tell him all the gross shit that's yeah. in there. Yeah, and Ingevuk wants to know where he and Falcor came from, and what they're up to, and if it's of any interest to the scientific community. Yes, he yeah. says the word scientific so many times. No, he's a scientist. <laughs> I know! Atreyu explains that he's there to find the Southern Oracle. And Engivuk is so excited. He's like, that's my specialty. I know everything about it. In fact, when we saw him at first, he was drawing pictures of the oracle. Right, yeah. Like, in his little book. Mm-hmm. He's the expert. Yep. So he says to his wife, to the winch, wench. Yes. And they he, go to the roof. Yeah, he climbs in a basket and Urgil is using a winch to transport him up to the observatory. Mm-hmm. And Atreyu just climbs up after him. Yeah. Because he has... Big arms and legs. Right, he's a full-sized boy. <laughs> yeah, and Angie Book is making the silliest noises. <laughs> As he goes. <laughs> so cute. But so, from the roof, from the observatory, you can see the first of two gates that lead to the Southern Oracle. Mm-hmm. And the gate is these two giant titty-bearing <laughs> Sphinx statues. Yeah. They have, like, big old wings. Yes. And, like ruffs around their neck basically mm. like big metal and that's it yeah and their eyes he explains that their eyes stay closed until someone who does not feel his own worth tries to pass by yeah and uh michael yeah michael inde who is the guy that wrote the book was not on board with the busty laser shooting sphinx statues yeah he said the sphinxes are quite one of the biggest embarrassments of the film mm-hmm. they are full bosom strippers who sit there in the desert honestly life goals <laughs> truly <laughs> yeah but yeah i know i very much remember i'm sure the you do <laughs> and their big titties they have huge boobs and nipples yeah it's, it's not just that they have boobs yeah like and if they just had like boobs with the shirt over it or, sure you know whatever right no. They have nipples. Yes. Bare-breasted, pointy nipples. They're sitting in such a way that they have their chests just, like, thrust out in front of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're slutty as hell. Hell yeah. Go for them. <laughs> it's tight. But so, as they're up there, Book is like, look, someone is approaching the gate now. We can see what happens. Yes, here comes someone that looks fancy. Mm-hmm. He's so excited. And Atreyu is watching through the telescope as the man approaches. And Book is like, move, let me see. This is my whole scientific. But Atreyu, like, will not move. Yeah. And the Sphinx's eyes open, mm. and they destroy this man with laser beams. Yep. And Fancy he... armor doesn't help. Uh-huh. It sees right into your heart. Yeah, he gets roasted. But Atreyu's just kind of looking at this, and he goes, uh, fuck it. I'm gonna try. Yeah, I'm going right now. And is like, no, do you, I have any, there's so many things I have to tell you before you try. But Atreyu's like, already gone, because my <laughs> legs are too long for you to catch up. Yep. Yeah. He says, I haven't even told you about the next gate. Right. Which is like, I feel like that you would want to know, but... Yeah. yeah, let's 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 just go. Fuck it's it. just, he has to go before he loses courage. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he could just fly over it. Yeah, on Falcor, but then maybe the Southern Oracle would like know that he cheated past yeah. the gates. It also seems like you could go around. Yeah, <laughs> like they're not. But yeah, same thing. It's like you have to pass through here in order to talk to the Southern Oracle. Yeah, yeah I think I think you're absolutely right. But so Angivok is watching from the observatory as Atreyu approaches, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, my note here says, I remember the Sphinx statues having nipples. Oh, there they are. Ha <laughs> ha Nice. Yeah. God, oh. how many minutes have we talked about nipples today? 
<laughs> so Atreyu, unfazed by the nips, welcome, approaches slowly. Welcome to the nipple hour with <laughs> meat wedge and buckets. Like, oh boy. Yeah, he, uh, it's not phased. Doesn't no, seem to care. He's more concerned with the dead knight on the ground. Which, uh, fair. Because, yeah, we see there's a pile of bones. Like, there's bones all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's also this guy that just got obliterated. And a, a brisk wind has picked up. And it flings this guy's helmet yeah. off. And we see his charred face inside of his helmet. And it's really gross. Yeah, and you can tell that Atreyu has never played an RPG because he does not try to loot this corpse. I know. Well, you know, he's not allowed to have weapons. No, he could have armor. Uh, he knows the fanciful armor won't help. No, and probably wouldn't fit. But he might have snacks. This guy's snacks probably got roasted, so... Yeah, <laughs> warm... good? Warm apple. Oh, it could be good, yeah. Like right. we learned from Elliot and Pete's Dragon. We roasted mm. the apple. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Bastion is reading. Yes. Because Atreyu is getting nervous, and Bastion's yelling into the book. Yes. Be confident! Be confident! Yes. And we see that Anguvuk is yelling the same thing. Yes. It's like, you can do it. And then the Sphinx's eyes start to open. Which this kind of confused me, because I thought that they let you pass if you could feel in your heart that you were worthy. Yeah. But then they tried to because shoot he, him with the lasers, because he he's starts, faltering. Yeah, to okay. doubt himself. Yeah. Because he gets down there and he gets nervous. Sure. Yeah. But anybody would get nervous. How are you supposed to be confident in the face of that? Especially when you just saw a full-grown man on a horse die. <sighs> roasted you just gotta think about nipples i guess guess get yourself through (laughs) that's how i do it but he he sprints for it the eyes do shoot open and shoot beams but they miss and he has made it yay we cut back to urgle who is giving falcor a shot of vitamins (laughs) and ingivilk runs up to tell them that atreyu made it yeah and falcor says i knew he would be safe right and ingivilk is like nonsense you don't understand anything (laughs) The worst one is coming up. The magic mirror gate. Kind men discover that they are cruel. Brave men discover they are cowards. Most men run away screaming. Yes. Which, these challenges make me think, and they don't bring it up in the movie, but I bet they bring it up in the book, that the reason that Atreyu can get through a lot of these things is because he's not a man. Yes. Because he's still a child. He's just a boy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you are correct. He hasn't had time to be cruel. Right. He's still pure of heart because he a baby. Yeah. So Atreyu approaches the mirror, which yes. is in the snow, and he has no jacket. He doesn't even have a shirt. He was just in a desert. He has, like, a vest <laughs> with one button on it. I know. It's Aladdin. bare-chested the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he sees a mirror that's all covered in ice. Yeah. And he approaches it slowly, and he sees his reflection, but then it starts to change, and he sees Bastion? <gasps> and, like, imagine. <laughs> You're this handsome young plains warrior. And you find out that deep down you're really a little white boy with a bowl cut. <sighs> Devastating. Runaway screaming. Yeah. <laughs> but Bastion throws the book. Mm-hmm. He says, this is going too far. Yeah. Do not make fun of my bowl cut. I like it. <laughs> I cut my own hair because my dad won't take me to do anything. But he can't stop now. No. He says, what if they really do know about me in Fantasia? That would be kind of neat. So they pick the book. He picks the book back up and we see that Atreyu is touching the mirror. Mm-hmm. And walks through it. <gasps> Meanwhile, Bastion has lit some candles and continues to read. I guess they got everything up there. Candles, yeah. matches, skulls. They just do all kinds of weird rituals up there. Oh. They got all the stuff. So Treyu has reached another set of Sphinx. Yeah, these ones are blue. Mm. And still have nipples. Yeah, they look exactly the same except for that they're blue instead of gold. Yeah. But they say to Atreyu, do not be afraid. We will not harm you. 
We have been waiting for you a long time, Atreyu. Mm-hmm. He says, are you the Southern Oracle? And she says, yes, we are. And he mm-hmm. says, well, then you must know what can save Fantasia. Yes. And they say, yes, the Empress needs a new name. And Atreyu's like, okay, like, I'll give her a name. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I got a baby Do book you... around here somewhere. I, j- I know, like, at least five people. You're just telling me any name. I could give her any name yeah. in the world. And they're like, not you, dingus. Invite somebody over with a cast on. <laughs> but the oracle says no a human child has to name the empress yeah it has to come from someone outside fantasia Mm -hmm. and as she's explaining this it starts to fall apart yeah just chunks of their faces yeah hitting the ground and atreus says a human child but where do i get one of those we don't even have a chuck e cheese here i know (laughs) i don't even know where they keep those i've never seen a human child yeah but they the oracle say you have to go outside of the boundaries of Fantasia. Mm-hmm. And you, also, you gotta hurry. Like, yeah. we can't just stand around explaining all the shit to you, dude. Mm-hmm. The nothing is coming, and we don't know how much longer we can withstand it. And so Atreyu starts yelling for Falcor, and Falcor comes and scoops him up, and they fly off into the clouds. Falcor is like the stoner friend that we all have. 100%. Because they're flying through the sky, and Atreyu is like, we really have to hurry because the nothing is everywhere. And Falcor is all... Don't worry, bro. Just be happy, bro. Like, everything will be fine, my dude. (laughs) We will most definitely reach the boundaries of Fantasia. Yeah. No, I don't know where they are, man. But, like, we'll get there, okay, bro? Like, quit harshing my vibe. (laughs) I mean, if you travel in one direction long enough, you're sure to reach the edge. Yeah, unless it's a fucking planet. Those are round thought of that. Well, we know that the ivory tower is in the center, and in order to have a center, it can't be, Hmm. right? Gotta be flat. Well, Atreyu asks, all right, if you're so sure, how do we find a human child? Yeah. With luck, dude! (laughs) It's not gonna work every time, Falcor. So they're soaring over the whole world, looking, I guess, for a human child. I don't know how you <laughs> spot them from the sky. I think they're just looking for the boundary of Fantasia. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and they'll go beyond it. It looks incredibly fake now, this yeah. scene. Yeah. But Baby Bucket Snake thought it was the coolest shit. It is cool. It's just very clearly, like, they're on a stage. Yeah. <laughs> like Big fans blowing. Yeah, the the camera is from, like, behind Atreyu, and he's sitting on Falcor, mm-hmm. and there's just a green screen yeah yeah but it, it looks it looks cool now i'm sure it looked way cool in the 80s oh yeah but bastion is kind of looking out the window he's taking a break from reading she's like need to shake it out you yeah know. i'm just gonna let them fly around for a while yeah i don't need to read this part i'm gonna go pee pages. in the corner <laughs> <laughs> and he says what a shame they don't ask me my mother she had such a wonderful name did she no <laughs> spoiler alert she did not but on and on they flew until they reached the Sea of Possibilities. Hey, that's nice. Where they ran into the nothing. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was nice. And they get all caught up in it. They get caught up in the storm. Yeah. And Atreyu falls off of Falcor. Yeah. I'm mad that Engivok didn't scientifically rig him up a harness for riding on this luck dragon. He's just sitting there. Bareback. Fantasia, not the Santa Claus. We don't have Bernard. We can't make inventions. <laughs> <laughs> just some straps <laughs> it doesn't have to be complicated but as atreyu falls the window in the attic blows open and bastion has to climb up to close it again mm-hmm. he runs back to the book yep atreyu is on a beach yeah and he's okay but he's lost the Oren. 
And he starts yelling for Falcor. Yeah. To no avail. No. The sky is rumbling. The nothing looks cool as shit. Yeah, it Like, does. it looks very spooky. Yeah. Um, it's just a, you know, just a bunch of clouds and blackness, but mm-hmm. it looks really cool. It's just like the big empty. Yeah. Yeah. And so we see Falcor is flying around yelling for Atreyu. Can't see him. Mm-hmm. And Atreyu, down on the beach, sees some paw prints. Yeah. And he's walking across the beach and then through some ruins. And he leans on a rock that moves mm. and then grumbles mm-hmm. and it's the rock biter's foot yeah. and the rock biter is so very sad and i know that you <sighs> quoted this at the beginning he looks at his hands and he says they look like big good strong hands don't they i always thought that's what they were and then he says but i couldn't hold on you know i was trying to hold on to the night hob and teeny weeny and even that stupid bat and I couldn't hold on to any of them they flew right out of my hands I failed no <laughs> every time he says they look like big strong hands I know Just, oh, it he says it a couple times feelings yeah oh. he says I failed and Atreyu says no it isn't your fault it's mine mm-hmm. I was the one chosen to save the empress and I've failed yes and the rock biter says well, either way. <laughs> yeah. But nothing is going to be here in a minute. And I'm just going to sit here and let it take me away, too. Yeah. And the nothing is growing behind him as he's talking. Yep. And he's crying. Yes. And... Uh, the was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. <laughs> Good luck yeah. with your hands. Yeah, the ground starts to split. So Atreyu makes his way up to shelter in some ruins. And there are these, like, really old-looking paintings on the wall. Yeah, this part also reminds me of the Dark Crystal. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, there was a prophecy of this happening. Right. Like, a long time ago, and it, it was foretold in yeah. these ruins. Yeah. Because in these paintings, we see Karen giving the Arn to Atreyu. Mm-hmm. And then we see him riding away on Artex and meeting Morla and losing Artex. And he's just like, Artex. But it makes me so sad. <sighs> and then the Southern Oracle. And we see Falcor and just all the things that he's already going through. Yeah, and he's looking around so he's and he's like, like, okay, what what happens next? What do I do next? Like, right. there's got to be a prophecy of the next step here, around here somewhere. Yeah. And then he sees a painting of Gamork. Yes. And then there's Gamork growling from inside a cave. I know. And I know that this scene is meant to be scary, and it is. Mm. Because, you know, he's just like, oh, oh shit, what do I do next? Oh, giant wolf monster. Oh, giant wolf monster. Yeah. But it also is kind of like this, like, where you see someone who's, like, sitting in their office and they have a portrait of themselves. Oh, yeah. Sitting in their office right behind them. Uh-huh. And it just, it's just kind of like, hmm, painting of a wool. Oh, fuck, there it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> what happens next? I mean, fuck around and find out, my dude, because yep. <laughs> there it is. Immediate prophecy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when will this come to power? Oh, fuck. <laughs> but... Gamork looks a bit hurt, like he's got some blood on his face and stuff. Yeah. And he says, if you come any closer, I will rip you to shreds. Yes, Atreyu says, who are you? I am Gamork, and you, whoever you are, will have the honor of being my last victim. I will not die easily. (laughs) I am a warrior. He says, well, in that case, why don't you fight the nothing? Yeah, and Atreyu's like, okay, hang on. With what? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. That's fucking rude. I would love to fight the nothing, but as you may know... It's a, it's a nothing. I can't, how do you, what? Yeah. I'm and, doing my best. And he says, I can't get beyond the boundaries of Fantasia. Mm-hmm. And Gamork is like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> so Foolish rude. Boy. Fantasia has no boundaries. But, but the orc, but, uh, 
And he says, don't you know anything about Fantasia? It's the world of human fantasy. Mm-hmm. He's saying all this in the creepiest voice. Yes. While baring his teeth. Yes. And looking cool slash scary as hell. His, mm-hmm. like, eyes grow when yeah. he, like, talks more intensely. Yeah. And he, like, shows his teeth while he talks. I don't know. I Like, it's a, obviously a puppet. Yeah. From 1984. Yeah. But it still creeps me out. Yes. In the best way. Yeah. But he explains, every part, every creature in it is a piece of the dreams and hopes of mankind. Therefore, it has no boundary. Fair. But Atreyu says, says, Why is Fantasia dying then? Yeah, he does yell a lot. (laughs) I can hear it. Like, I've seen this movie so much, and this scene is, like, burned into my brain. Yeah. And Gamork says, Well, because people have begun to lose their hopes and forget their dreams, and so the nothing grows stronger. It is the emptiness that's left. It's like a despair that's destroying this world, and I have been trying to help it, because people who have no hopes are easy to control, and whoever has the control has the power. Mm-hmm. And comes more grumbling. More crumbling. Yeah, the earth is just falling apart around them. Yeah. The nothing is growing in the background. Mm-hmm. Gamork's eyes grow, and they get brighter every time he's, like, threatening him. Ugh. Yeah. And Treyu, very softly, yeah. says, who are you, really? And he says, I am the servant of the power behind the nothing. I was sent to kill the only one who could have stopped the nothing. But I lost him in the swamp of sadness. His name was Atreyu. <gasps> How did he know his name, but not, like, what he looked like? Yeah, he's just, like, running around being like, Atreyu? 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 Atre- are you Atreyu? Uh, have you seen Atreyu? Atreyu? There's only one. <laughs> he went this way, I heard. Yes. Then there's another big rumble, and Atreyu falls backwards, and he also sees a like sharp piece of rock that has fallen off, and he grabs it. Mm-hmm. He points it at Gamork and says, if we're about to die, I'd rather die fighting. Come for me, Gamork. I am Atreyu. And he, re- just, he really is a great warrior. Because, yeah. you know, he could lay down and die in this moment, or he could be like, never hide of him and leave. <laughs> but he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'd rather die with a sword in my hand. Yes. And Gamork lunges at him, and Atreyu stabs him in the heart. And then he just fucking dies. Yeah, Treyu gets slashed across the chest in the process, but he's okay. Yeah, he's fine. Noah Hathaway almost lost an eye during this fight scene. God, this poor kid. I know. One of the claws on the puppet's giant paws poked him in the eye. Aww. And the robot was so heavy that he lost his breath. Yeah. When he was, like, knocked to the ground by it. Yeah. So they did this all in one shot. Yeah. Since he got hurt on the first one, they are like, well, that'll do. Like, Good enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you killed it. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Please don't leave. Yeah. And we see Falcor, who is underwater. This is no time for a swim, dude. He's just taking a bath. <laughs> oh, he found the Orin. That's yeah, a good thing. Yeah, he was doing something helpful. So then we see poor bloody Atreyu, who is just holding on for dear life yeah. to anything. Because the nothing is coming closer and it is just swallowing everything. And so, like, rocks are blowing past him and mm. leaves. And I do wonder, like, how they got this shot it's weird because you can tell that sometimes it's a stunt person yeah because it's wearing like a wig yeah and then sometimes it's like actually noah hathaway yeah but it's probably he's just hanging from it and then they they flipped it sideways yeah changed the image either way the arm strength yeah seems like you gotta who knows but yeah maybe that's when they switch back and forth maybe but it's very obvious yeah because the wig is well, like shoulder length hair. Yeah, and sometimes you're like, this is man shaped. Like small man, but still a yeah. man. And then you're like, no, that's a little boy. Yeah. But it's definitely a person. Yes, but he he is hanging on to a tree branch for dear life and is like absolutely sideways. Yes. It's raining sideways. <laughs> but here comes Falcor. Yay! And again he gets him just in time. Yep. And they fly away. Mm-hmm. And Bastion kinda like <gasps> like 
he got so caught up in this book he forgot to breathe i think for a second yeah and he reads that was the end of fantasia and then we see falcor and atreyu who are just kind of floating through space and there's nothing left there are big chunks of rock and that's it you know and atreyu asks falcor if he can see anything and he says no Mm -hmm. and he says it's all because i failed Mm -hmm. and falcor says well you tried yeah which is very sweet of him yeah but they're they're both like okay maybe the ivory tower is still standing Uh uh-huh and atreyu says let the orin guide you yeah he like picks it up off his chest and speaks to it he's like if the ivory tower still stands take us there yeah and they're flying through the sky and then some like asteroids kind of part ways they're like literally in space yeah yeah (laughs) and then we see the ivory tower yeah is still standing yeah Oh, there's hope. There's, it's still there. It's a beacon and like, of light. I know. Atreyu's like face like lights up, and yeah. he's just like, "Well, something. There's something in all of this nothing." Yeah, and it fucking made me cry. That, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, it lights up, and there's the tower. They approach as Bastion is eating an apple. Yep. And he says, "The Empress." Yeah. Into the apple, and then he eats. The bones! He ate the whole fucking apple. You eat the whole apple. I know! You weirdo. I know! <laughs> I know, I didn't think anybody else did that. So, <laughs> they make it They make it to the tower. Yeah. Uh, Falcor lands. Atreyu hops off, approaches the glowing center room. Mm-hmm. Falcor winks at him and says, go on. Yeah. And inside is sitting the world's saddest looking girl she does look so sad and she has the noive to say betray you why do you look so sad like bitch she is so the perfect person for this part yes no i was thinking the same thing because she is clearly a child but she acts like so much older than that like she has the weight of the world on her shoulder like Mm -hmm. her acting is incredible i do think they also dubbed over her lines but I don't. I mean, not no. not with a different person. Oh, yeah, it just maybe. doesn't seem to like. Well, so line she's up. wearing fake front teeth. Okay, and she has sense. a little bit of a lisp because yeah. she is literally eleven years old, and yeah. her front teeth had fallen out Aww. before filming. Just it, like yeah, the way they do. She lost her baby teeth. Yeah, it does <laughs> so. look like she's having a hard time talking around yeah. them. <laughs> so maybe yeah, they gave her a little bit of a which is just sweet do over. It is sweet, but yeah, yeah, just the way that she talks is just like this is like a sixty year old. Or 600-year-old person in this, you know, little girl's body. Why do you look so sad? <laughs> and he takes off the RN and hands it to her and says, I have failed you, Empress. Mm-hmm. But she says, no, you haven't. You've brought him with you. Who? The earthling child, the one who can save us all. Atreus looking around like, hang on, you already knew that that right. was the answer? Like again, he's just like, ah, <sighs> okay, okay lady <laughs> my horse died yep i almost died yep i got sneezed on so many times by a giant turtle <laughs> why did i have to go through all this if you already knew right like i've traveled more than ten thousand miles yeah. actually i guess more than twenty thousand miles because yeah. i was there and back again right. maybe the trip back was shorter because everything was just fucked up but yeah everything's gone. still at least <laughs> ten thousand miles yeah and she says what was the only way to get in touch with an earthling child and Atreus like I I didn't I didn't see a single Earthling. Yeah, I mean I so again I failed. Like how explain to me how I did not fail? But she says he's here and he's suffered with you and he's very close listening. Yeah, and they both look up. Yes. And Bastion is making the most confused face. Yes. As he continues to read, Bastion goes, "What?" 
And it's like the most genuine what I've ever heard. He does a great job, too. He does. Yeah. Yeah. What? Bastion says as the tower starts to crumble. Yeah. And Treyu is just like, again, yelling, what is he waiting for then? This whole scene is so intense. It is. And even as a 34-year-old adult, it feels still very intense to me. Yeah. Because they're yelling back and forth at each other as everything is falling apart. Bastion is yelling at the book and at them. And they're like yelling at him, but like, they're not there. It's just done really well. It's very Mm -hmm. like, you get like scooped up in it, you know? Like, I'm like, ah! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Atreyu... Yeah, yells, what's he waiting for? And the Empress says he doesn't realize that this is all actually happening. Mm -hmm. He doesn't realize that as he's been with you, others have been with him. They were with him when he hid from the boys in the bookstore. They were with him when he took the book with the Orin symbol, in which he's reading right now. Right? And Bastion is just like, nope, 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 nope. She's talking about us because we were on the journey with him. I know. For the whole thing. Yeah. And it makes, like, the Orin symbol, like... You've got these two snakes that are like biting onto each other and following each yeah. other, which is what we're doing because ah! we're reading this story and he's reading that story. Ah! It's incredible. And Bastion's like, they can't be talking about me. No. And it's... the ivory tower just getting pounded yes. by the nothing. Asteroids <laughs> yeah. are just flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. Atreyu is like, what's going to happen if the earthling doesn't appear? Mm-hmm. And the empress says, then our world will disappear. And so will I. I know. <laughs> He doesn't understand that he's the one that has the power to stop it. Yep. (laughs) The storm has once again gotten into the attic. The window is open. Actually, multiple windows are open. Yeah, all the windows are are crashing through, breaking everything. The tower is cracking and crumbling. Atreyu is shouting over the noise at the Empress and says, maybe he doesn't know what he has to do. And Bastion yells, what do I have to do? He's like, you're uh, right on the money, dude. I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. But the Empress says, he has to give me a new name. He's already chosen it. He just has to call it out. But this is just a book. It can't be real. Mm-hmm. You regretting your choices from earlier in the day there, Bastion? Yeah. My friend? Stealing? Perhaps? Mm. But the childlike Empress is so calm. Yes. And Atreyu has been knocked on the ground. Mm-hmm. And we saw in a in an outside shot that, like, Falcor has been wiped off the mm-hmm. tower. Like, there's nothing outside. Yeah. It's just her, basically. Yes. Very much closing in on them. And she's got tears in her eyes. Yeah. And Bastion is crying. Yes. And the Empress is looking into the camera. Yes. And says, Bastion, why don't you do what you dream, Bastion? And he is looking back at her. And says, I can't. I have to keep my feet on the ground. (laughs) Because I'm an adult now. The Empress is pleading now and just weeping. Bastion, call my name. Save us. Yes. And he finally stands up and he says, all right, all right, I'll do it. I'll save you. I'll do what I dream. And he runs to the window and he screams, (laughs) moon child. (laughs) Which is like, what? <laughs> that is the name from the book. Yeah. But, you know, the book is a book. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they would have changed it. I know. But yeah, the subtitles just say yelling. Yeah, the subtitles are embarrassed. They're like, he yells a name. That's fine. I know. When I was a kid, I like rewound, fast forward, rewound, you know, trying to understand what he was saying. And I did it until I was an adult and could Google it. Uh-huh. Know what he said. Uh-huh. Even Amazon does not know. It's Moonchild. Yeah. Uh, which I guess was his mom's name. Sure. His mom's parents were hippies. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
But the storm stops. In fact, everything stops. Mm -hmm. It's just blackness and silence. And suddenly Bastion and the Empress are in the same room. Mm -hmm. And Bastion says, why is it so dark? And the Empress says, in the beginning, it is always dark. Mm -hmm. And there they are standing together. She's holding a single little light in her hand. Yes. He says, what is that? One grain of sand. That's all that's left of Fantasia. It's totally disappeared? Yes. Then everything has been in vain. And she says, no, Fantasia can arise anew from your dreams and your wishes, Bastion. And she puts the grain of sand into Bastion's hand Mm -hmm. and says, what are you going to wish for? He says, I don't know. Well, then there will be no more Fantasia. Yeah. Which is a lot to put on a little boy. Yeah. But his next question is, how many wishes do I get? As many as you want. And the more you wish, the better Fantasia will be. Yeah. Which is fair because, you know, if you think... In typical fashion, you get three. Yeah. How can I possibly make everything right with only three wishes? Right, yeah. How can I possibly limit myself? Mm -hmm. And so I think at first the Empress is like, oh, he's not going to do it. Yeah. Because he's like, I don't know. And she's like, well, if you... this is Maybe this has been for nothing because the nothing was coming because the, you know, imaginations of man have failed. Mm -hmm. But his problem is the limitations yeah and so when he says how many wishes do i get she's smiling and she's like as many as you want go fucking nuts dude yeah your your hopes and dreams and wishes and imagination are what keep fantasia alive so yeah fucking go for it so everything's fine and so he's quiet for a little bit and he says well then my first wish is (laughs) and then we see bastion riding falcor over fantasia yeah and there's music playing they're going real fast yeah he flies over rockbiter and his friends he flies over atreyu and artex yes and then falcor is like what else do you want to do yeah falcor cackles yeah because he (laughs) whispers in his ear yes and then falcor's like (laughs) (laughs) and then we see back in the city yes the real world the real city Bastion flying towards the three bullies who are just standing in the middle of the road. Wait, like, they're just waiting for Bastion to show up so they can pick on him. But they're in the middle of the street. Like, we see behind them a car is trying to turn on the street <laughs> and then it just gives up and goes in a different direction <laughs> because they're literally just in the middle of the road. Yeah. But yeah, so we see Falkor come swooping down mm-hmm. with Bastion on his back and other people can see this too. Yeah, they scream. Everyone is running and screaming. Yeah, it's hilarious. I know. But so the bullies go running away and jump into the dumpster <laughs> falcor flies off and giggles mm-hmm. and then there's a weird voiceover i hate when there's like just a voiceover once yeah like who is this motherfucker i don't well it's the same guy that does falcor and gamork and rockbiter oh it's just like they were like here read this one line it just would have been better if maybe we'd seen like the old man in the bookstore saying it yeah because he set all of this into motion right so if he was just like he had the book back in his hands Mm -hmm. you know and he's just like closing it and he's like so bastion that would have just made more sense right yeah but weird voiceover says bastion had many more adventures before he returned to the real world but that's another story yep bye bye and that's it the end yes (sighs) it's so good it's so good is it a replay it is Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I want to watch it again right now. Right. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't watched it in a while. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. And it, uh, I feel like I understood it even better. Yeah. Now, as an adult. Like, sure. I understood that, you know, obviously the two, Fashion and Atreyu, were tied together. But I was like, oh, it's like the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, did it make you cry? 
It did. Um, Me too. It did. And I I think I talked about this at the beginning, but I watched it as a kid. Yeah. And I went, nope. Because it made me very sad. (laughs) Yeah. Because all I remembered, I didn't watch it again until I was in my 20s because I was like, I don't remember anything from this movie except for this fucking horse dying in the swamp. And it made me too sad to ever watch it again. Yeah. Um, And Artex dying happens really early. Yeah. Yeah. There's and a lot more to the movie. It's just so... It's not the climax, like, at all. Sad. Yeah. Um, And so as a kid, yeah, that was, like, too much for me to watch it again. And mm-hmm. so then I didn't watch it again until I was in my 20s. And then I was like, oh, I didn't remember that. It's not as bad as I remember it being. Yeah. But watching it this time around, it was it was the happy tears that got me more yeah. than the sad tears. One, because I knew Artex was going to be okay. Yeah. But also, um, you know, that was sad, but just him like finding these little glimmers of hope in this like really hopeless world was just like, everything's going to be fine. There are people out there who care. Like, I don't know. It fucking got me, dude. Yeah. Some sort of reflection of the times we live in. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. So it definitely did make me cry. Yes. Yeah. It was released July 20th, 1984. Mm-hmm. It had a budget of between 25 and 27 million US dollars, but like I said, it was filmed in Germany, so it was like 60 million Deutsche Marks or whatever. Yeah. Franks, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> but it made $100 million US dollars. Nice. Yeah, well it, was, done. it was a hit. Yeah. And the Rotten Tomatoes score is 80%, even though we don't trust Rotten Tomatoes anymore. No, they're off their rocker. <laughs> They're off their rotten rocker. <laughs> but as I sort of alluded to earlier, author Michael Inde was very unhappy with the film's version of the story and refused to have his name placed in the opening credits. Ouch. He does have a small credit at the end. He did ask for the movie title to be changed mm-hmm. or for the movie to even be canceled. Yeah. And after the studio was like, no. <laughs> he filed a lawsuit and lost. Aww. Which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before, you know, kind of a little bit. Once you put something out into the world, you're you're kind of just letting it go and you mm-hmm. don't have a lot of control over the things that happen to it. But it is also a bummer to see something that you love and work have worked really hard on become something that you don't like. Yeah. And that do- you feel like doesn't reflect the story that you wrote. So. Yeah, well, and he did he did try to control it because he worked with Wolfgang Peterson as mm-hmm. a script advisor. Yeah. He was only paid $50,000 for the rights to the book, which sucks considering how much money they made on it. But at the same time, like, you did agree to that much money. Yeah. You know? Yeah, That's you why never you know. have to do a percentage. Always. <laughs> always take a percentage. Yeah. Um, Inde claimed that Peterson later rewrote the script without consulting him. Mm-hmm. And felt that this adaptation's content deviated so far from the spirit of his book. Yeah. Fantasia reappears with no creative force from Bastion, he said. Hmm. Which I could see, and I hadn't thought about it before, but it is pretty lame to be like, oh, you have all this power to recreate this world and you just want to go, like, get back at these bullies. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of cheesy. Yeah, I mean, at least his first wish is, I want everything to be as it was. Right. And he fixes everything. Yeah. And then he's like, well, now that that's out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, he could fix so many more things. And it only takes his creativity to bring those things back. Yeah. You know, so he could have been really creative, and I think it does feel a little Mm -hmm. eh, that that was what he chose to do. But he also called the film a gigantic melodrama of kitsch, commerce, plush, and plastic. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. He was very unhappy. That is harsh. I know. Uh, Ebert, though, gave it three out of four stars. Nice. Praised its visual effects. 
saying that an entirely new world had been created because of them. Yeah. This was a comment echoed by Variety. They also liked it. Mm-hmm. Ebert's co-host Gene Siskel said that the film's special effects and art direction were cheap-looking, and that Falcor the Luck Dragon resembled the sort of stuffed toy you'd win at a county fair and throw out when you left. He Rude. also referred to Noah Hathaway as a dullard what? and said that the film was much too long, even after Ebert pointed out that the film is only 90 minutes long. What is his deal? I don't know. I think he just has to be, like, the opposite of Ebert. I guess so. Uh, Joshua Tyler of Cinema Blend referred to it as one of a scant few true fantasy masterpieces. Yes. Vincent Canby mm-hmm. said the film was a graceless, humorless fantasy for children. In the New York Times, his criticism charged that parts of the film sounded like the pre-teenager's guide to existentialism. Oh my god. And he further criticized the tacky special effects and that the construction of the dragon looked like an impractical bath mat. Oh my god. <laughs> Which, I mean, I feel like this review specifically is like, do not look at this movie through the lens of an adult critic. Yeah. You can't decide what kids like and what no. appeals to kids yeah. when you're like a cranky old man. Right. It's not fair. No. These are some of the most creative... Yes. Like, put-downs that I have heard. An impractical bath mat is hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, undeserved and harsh. Yes. So, the film adapts only the first half of the book. Okay. And consequently, obviously, does not convey the message of the title as it is portrayed. Yeah. The second half of the book was used as a rough basis for the second film. Yeah. The never-ending story, too, which I'm sure we'll cover one day. Absolutely. The screenplay itself had no ending Mm. because the book, they ended in the middle of the book, you know, so they kind of had to come up with that. Yeah. Yeah, Wolfgang Peterson and the production team had to come up with how the movie was to end, and it was decided that the movie would end with... Bastion returning to the real world and Falcor chasing after the three bullies and have them get in the trash container, which is maybe why, too, it feels a little like it doesn't fit. Yeah. It's a little I mean, tacked it's, on. In the moment, it's, like, satisfying, but then you're like, this, uh, presents a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... You can just cross over. Yeah. Yeah. Other people saw Falcor, like, he's very real. How does he leave? How does Bastion answer? Because the bullies are going to be like, we saw bastion you know the yeah on an impractical bath mat the (laughs) the adults who saw it and ran away screaming are not gonna know who this little kid is but these bullies definitely are and then you've got this whole town that's gonna like corroborate the story and then the power rangers are gonna have to come in and fight falcor sure (laughs) (laughs) that just seems like the same type of special effects yeah (laughs) but yeah it just uh opens a whole new can of worms and we don't really see um nothing gets resolved in bastion's life right you know his school is probably still a problem his relationship with dad his dad is probably still a problem so that's kind of unsatisfying that we don't get that yeah for sure yeah he just gets the like confirmation that he needs to hold on to his imagination yeah but they don't really show how that applies to his real life right because i mean he pushes back a little bit you know Mm -hmm. and says like i have to keep my feet on the ground but he's saying that while he's skipping school yeah you know and and hiding in a school attic yeah with a book that he stole so (laughs) it's definitely not like he hasn't tried to apply that no he hasn't found the balance yeah but i mean it's you know it would make more sense if we had seen him like okay i'll really try and he's like putting away he's not drawing unicorns anymore and he's doing it but i mean he he goes from getting the talk of like hey quit dicking around yeah take it serious to i'm flying on electric Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's not really a lesson learned here no 
During the production of the movie, Wolfgang Peterson reportedly pushed for up to 40 takes on each and every scene in the movie. Jeez. The average was like 5 to 10. Yeah. This is like Stanley Kubrick yeah. levels. And that's insane because you were working with puppets that are hard to control and then children. And children, yeah. Yeah, some people were like, Noah Hathaway was a little hard to work with, but like he's the main character having to do 40 takes of every scene. Yeah, and he's and he- like nine years old nearly drowned and got stabbed in the eye yeah give the kid a break so like this is the best that he can do his perfectionist nature caused the budget to inflate considerably and the shooting schedule of three months extended to a full year holy shit the super mario brothers level of over scheduling yes yeah but also three months to make this movie i mean that's it probably would have gone over anyway yeah that's not enough time to make a movie like this no but, but to say we're going to get it done in three months and then be like, well, let's try it again. Well, that's just the shooting schedule. I'm sure like pre-production when they're making all the puppets and stuff was longer. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Even still, you know, to have a goal of three months and then for it to take an entire year. Yeah. It's insane. That's so long. I'd be like, I have to do other stuff. Yeah. So Noah Hathaway that plays Atreyu mm-hmm. now owns and operates a tattoo parlor in LA. Nice. With his wife. Hell yeah. Which is cute. Mm-hmm. The childlike empress was just childlike. The character has existed for as long as there have been stories to tell. Aww. Which I feel like she did a really good job portraying that. Like you said, like she looks like she has seen everything, even yeah. though she's 11 years old. Yep. She was portrayed by Iranian-born Israeli-American dancer Tammy Stronach, mm-hmm. who, like I said, was only 11 years old when the production started. She had lost both front teeth, mm-hmm. had to wear fake teeth. She also thought that she was signing on to do a play. Oh. And didn't realize it was a major motion picture. Oh, dang. Because she was, like, a a dancer. Like, she did theater stuff. And after filming this movie, she didn't do another movie till, like, 2009, I think? Oh, wow. Because she was like, I didn't want to be a child actress. Yeah. I wanted to do theater. to be a dancer. And dance, yeah. Also, all I do in this movie is sit. Right. (laughs) But she got lots of, like, scripts sent to her. Yeah. Um... Because of her performance, because, you know, she did a great job in the three minutes that she's in the movie. Right. She's like, no, thank you. She said something about how all the scripts that were sent to her were inappropriate. Oh, no. For her age. Yeah. You know, and she was like, I don't want to do any of this. Yeah. So she waited a really long time to return to the screen. Hmm. Speaking of, in 2009, Warner Brothers, the Kennedy Marshall Company, and... Leonardo DiCaprio's company, Appian Way Productions, were in the early stages of creating another adaptation of the novel. Mm-hmm. They intended to examine the more nuanced details of the book rather than remake the original film. But producer Kathleen Kennedy said in 2011 that problem securing the rights to the story may mean that a second adaptation is not meant to be because I'm sure Michael Inde is like, no, never again, do no. not. Yeah, you Look tried it. Any of my work. You fucked it up. I won't allow it. I just want to say, good for Tammy's parents for not, like, pushing her into, you know, because we see, like, so many times in Hollywood, you know, this kid, like, they're like, well, we're your parents and agents, and you have to take this movie. You don't have a choice. And so, you know, there are, there's probably a lot of money on the line Mm -hmm. that she could have made, and she was like, no, I don't want it. And her parents, presumably, were like, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. When she was talking about it, she said, my parents and I didn't want me to be a child actor. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. appreciate her parents. Yeah, and the the last bit of information I have is about how most of, a lot of the actors were speaking German and they were dubbed over and we already talked about that, but apparently it's really obvious if you pay attention to the Night Hob Mm. and the way he talks. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I was looking at, I saw your note about how Deep Roy 
his voice, you know, got dubbed over. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was watching his mouth move and I was like, he's speaking in English. Yeah. You know, but I I didn't pay any attention to the night hub. Yeah. Anyway, that's all the information I have. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I can see, because I mean, the rock biter. Yeah. It's a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really as. But I do wonder if you watch, what about like Gmork and Falcor? Gmork and Gamindi? Yes. (laughs) Gnanu Nanu. Yeah, maybe. It didn't say that specifically. Because I wonder, you know, how much of it is like, oh, they're a puppet. Their lips don't come together. You know, it's not right. going to look great. And how much of it is like, well, if I were listening to this in the original German, mm. maybe their mouth would be coming together a little bit more. It would make sense for Gmork and Falcor to be speaking German because yeah. it's the same guy who does the Rockbiter's voice. Right. Yeah. So maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, it was great. And I'm glad we watched it. I'm really excited to watch the second one. Yeah. Because I remember a lot less of it, but I also remember it being terrifying. Oh, really? And there being a lot more like, you know how you said at the top of the tower how there are all those creatures that we don't really get a good look at? A lot of those are in the second one. Yeah. And I might, if it's going to be a while before we cover it, I might just watch it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we could just, yeah, we'll put it off so that you can watch it now and give it time. Give me time to forget. Yeah. I'll just get really drunk and watch it. <laughs> oh, God. That <laughs> might be forget. really bad. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. And, you know, when I was watching it, I was like, this is just so much me as a kid, too. Yeah. Because I would get in trouble for reading in, in school, you yeah. know, like reading a new book was always my favorite thing, like staying up too late reading. Same. Yeah. yeah I read a lot and I always, you know, my mom wanted me to read yeah both my parents you know are big readers also and they wanted to encourage that but also my mom would be like i i I need you to do things Mm. you know around the house or whatever and she always would tell me like when you finish that chapter come find me because i have things for you to do yeah you know i don't want to stop you in the middle of a chapter but everybody knows that the end of the chapter is the most exciting yeah that's where the cliffhanger is get to the i would get to the end and i wouldn't even notice the chapter heading i would just be yeah. like oh shit i mean just like so sucked in and uh-huh. then i'd be halfway through the next chapter and my mom would be like did you get to the end of it and i'd be like oh uh yeah <laughs> she'd be like all right at the end of that chapter <laughs> the chapters are really long right <laughs> i mean she knew what was happening but i was just yeah. like I'm, I'm not even paying attention yeah that's so that's you know i love this movie as a kid because i related to it yeah and it's just it's just done really well like i feel bad that the author didn't like it yeah, I do wonder. Yeah, it'd be interesting to read the book and see Yeah. See the differences. Yeah. But that's it. That's all. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to me. This is the last one that you got to pick for this oh, month. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Feeling good about your picks? Oh yeah, I feel great. Yeah. Feel yeah. like you've represented yourself yes. to our listeners. Yeah. Good. Yeah, the that's me. Yeah. In a nutshell. Right? TMNT. Good burger. <laughs> Never ending story. Never ending story. Yeah. Can can confirm. A well, violent good. airhead? Is I... that me? Is that what I am? Fantastical and violent a, a violent airhead with a big imagination. Yep. All right. Neat. Cool. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. If you want to come talk to us, um, you can do that on Instagram or Tumblr, Replay Rewind Podcast. You can email us at replayrewindpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Replay Rewind Pod. Or you can send us a carrier pigeon. Yep. I'll be very impressed. Yeah, I don't think they're around anymore, so that would be quite a feat. Indeed. If you want to listen to our other episodes, you can find them on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Apple, wherever uh, good podcasts are sold for free. (laughs) 
We're there. Sold for free. Speaking of selling podcasts, you can yeah. also find us on Patreon for some amount of money. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Replay Rewind Podcast. And you will get bonus episodes immediately. We put out a bonus episode every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Once a month, you get an extra long bonus episode where we cover a movie that fits in the time period but is not a children's movie. This month for my birthday, we're doing Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. You don't want to miss it. Go sign up. Get immediate access. Listen to us even more. Yeah, listen to all the things. It's fun. We get have a good sucked time. into the swamp of sadness of our comedic styling. No, the swamp of silliness. <laughs> You're not selling it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Also, for all of our listeners out there, we are. It's coming up at the end of the year. Yeah. And at the end of every year, we like to do a wrap up. Every year, I say, as though we've been around for forever. But at the end of the year, we like to do a wrap-up of all the movies that we've covered thus far. Talk about our favorites. Talk about the ones that we didn't like. If you have any questions that you want to send us about the movies that we've covered so far, send them in. Or any questions. Yeah. I'll answer it. Which character would we least like to get married to? Hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Who would we want to open a coffee shop with? Just stuff like that. Just yeah. silly little questions about the movies that we've done so far. Or if you just want to send in, you know, your stories about movies that whatever your favorite one was. Any thoughts that you've had just over the past year. We would love to hear it. So. Which lawyer would win in court? Uh, Fletcher Reed? Uh-huh. Or Peter Banning? Ooh. I don't know because we never see any <laughs> of Peter Banning's lawyer skills, really. Yeah, yeah that's true. Interesting. But yeah, questions like that. Any Anything that you've got, um, we'd like to hear it, because that'll be fun. And that's coming up soon. So. Yeah, let us know. And in the meantime, stay fresh, birthday bags. <laughs> Don't forget to reduce, reuse, recycle, replay, rewind, and rename the Childlike Empress. The never-ending story. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.